Hi, I want to let you know about a new show on the network. It is called Radio Free Midworld. It is where I and a rotating panel of hosts talk about Stephen King's Dark Tower books and works that are related to the Dark Tower books. If you go to RadioFreeMidworld.com, you can find that. We are well on our way through The Gunslinger, and that show is only possible because people came out to support this show, that show, and lots of other shows like it by going to Patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV. You, the Shardbearer, you are the chosen one of Lord Nasher and are entitled to all that this entails. Glory, land, tens of subjects, all of the... Wait, who, who, who are you? Uh, are you talking to me or are you talking yeah, to the Yeah, no, oh, no, wait, behind, yeah. behind the Shardbearer. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, I'm the camera guy. Like, we're, we're doing a documentary. But documentary yeah 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 i don't know what the wi-fi is like in this place but if, if you've ever been on failed kickstarters.dailygiggle.doubleclick.facebook it's i'm doing this thing it's called neverwinter nights nights meet the nights behind the nights and learn what happens at night colon after dark uh, wi-fi well i mean I, I see you're confused some of those nights are with a k so it's neverwinter nights i mean I, I suppose this is okay uh wait what is what is that you're doing why are you why are you over there I'm just, I can't, I can't take my eyes off this doorway. Like, I just want to get so much B-roll footage of this doorway. It's, it's a meat. Oh, shit. Dude, over there. Have you seen this patch of floor? Yes. I get a yes, up, we, right? I walk across it most days. Um, why, why are you interested in that? You're supposed to be focused on this shard bearer, this glorious paragon of Lord Nash's will oh, and... She, she's fine, but I, I just think this, this patch of floor is kind of... Hold, hold on again. Uh, say that last bit again. Uh... <laughs> Why are oh, you interested in when, this? Oh man, when your jaw gets you, has anyone ever told you you have a really good skull? Yeah, it was in all the papers. Lord Nasher, uh, we were in litigation for months. It was a real big scandal. Um, oh man, I who can blame him? I I listen. I think that it, you need to hold still. I think that our viewers would really enjoy a look inside your skull. I, I but I'm, I'm Lord Nasher's man. Here oh, comes the you, airplane. Oh, oh no, no. Oh, I taste lens. Oh man, that's gonna be good footage. Oh, is that a is that a hill? Ah, I wonder what the inside of that hill looks like. Uh, oh man, who are those people on top? Red Red Wizards attacking. Hey, uh, hey, hey, Shard Bear. Listen, I have other things to do, but uh, there are Red Wizards coming, so you better watch out for fireballs. <laughs> That's right. Abandoned Duckby title say. You've just been in the mix. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. 
And you're listening to Watch Out for Fireballs. It is a retro games podcast. Yes, and this week we are talking about Neverwinter Nights 2, which is a computer role-playing game developed by Obsidian and published by Atari for the PC in 2006. Yes, and it's uh, this week and next week. Yes. Uh, when we first announced this, we weren't totally sure. It's actually looking like this might be a, uh, a four-parter. Mm-hmm. Uh, with a with an appendix because uh, <laughs> that's all we do now is we do things that are either like infinitely long or just little little fifty minute like bloop loops. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Really yeah, so we so we either do one episode across or one game across five episodes or um, five games across one episodes and there exactly. the two shall mix. Exactly. This is, this is a this is a waff slider and this is a waff mega burger and uh, this, this is a waff mega burger um so we are going to see exactly how that works out uh, we think that mask of the victoria will be two episodes as well yep. uh what this means is that the time you're hearing this there is still plenty of time to uh write in with your thoughts and with that out of the way i'll yeah. move on um this, this is a a 3d computerized adaptation of the dungeons and dragons 3.5 edition rule set um the original neverwinter nights was based on 3.0 mm-hmm. uh, dnd uh, which is worse Yep. <laughs> and this means that Neverwinter Nights 2 is kind of right in my wheelhouse. Um, mentioning a preference for any kind of edition of D&D invites people to uh, uh, start the edition wars all over again. But it's a lot of fun to uh, to kind of play these um, in that start and stop kind of fashion. Um, I think you could really make the argument that like 3.5 is kind of like peak D&D. Mm-hmm. Fifth edition I actually kind of like. Second edition is what I played. That's a, you know, not very good. Um fourth edition is you know it's a board game right so th- this is a uh, a balance between kind of like tactical and and role play and, and stuff i think 3.5 is a really good really good wheelhouse to be in um yes. yeah so. um but in this you play as uh, this character who assumes many names of the course of this either the harborman the shard bearer kalakcha um, because we have to throw the we, we have to throw the gif in here somehow, um, and uh, the night captain, this small town swamp farmer out there raking some mud, uh, who was kind of conscripted into this grand quest uh, to fight the king of shadows for almost exactly the same reason Iron Man becomes a superhero. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, a, it's very similar. Um, the uh, yeah, and this game, uh, it's so we're going to talk about. This is going to be a little bit of a, a sprawling opening section because there's a lot of things to address. Right. Um, and some of the things that are, would be the basics of the game are kind of hard to even explain. Right. So uh, this game uh, takes place from a couple of different perspectives and has a legendarily bad camera. <sighs> uh, man, so oh you know, this could be you know kind of part of like you know it's not quite the glitch suite that we're going to go into, but if people you know we are not going to lift this off the hook for being a technical mess. Uh, which it definitely right. is. And the very first thing you're going to run into when we told people we were doing this game, the most common thing where people are saying like, oh, I couldn't get past the camera. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, though, you know, I couldn't have beat the end boss, which was the camera, et cetera, et cetera. Right. right. And uh, it's all true. Like mm-hmm. it is it is more or less pretty shitty. Yeah. It is one of the worst cameras I've dealt with. This is this is beyond our kind of like level of tolerance for a lack of polish, especially vis-a-vis Obsidian. Um, and things like that. Like this is barely functional. You have three different options and all of them have some very, some very bad flaws. And so what you end up doing is kind of like switching back and forth between them based on, based on the, the situation at hand. And what that means is you're just kind of like constantly babysitting, um, your view of the game. Yeah. It it requires a real active touch. The other option, what I ended up doing was choosing one and brute forcing myself through the nonsense Mm -hmm. and pretending the game came out eight hours, like eight years earlier than it did. (laughs) You're like, this is pretty good. Listen, this is pretty annoying, but for 1998, (laughs) uh, you know, not the case. So there's a a character and exploration mode and then strategy mode. A character mode 
is uh, kind of over the shoulder, um, similar to world of, like old school World of Warcraft. Yeah, yeah. Um, which is what I ended up uh, doing for one reason or another. Just ended up making sense to me. Um, and then what is the? So I didn't spend a lot of time with the other modes because I kept running into problems with them. Um, so exploration mode is like a kind of like a midway between character. Like it's uh, it's it's more almost like a like a fixed perspective. And I think that it's meant to, uh, meant for you to still be driving your character around um as though it was a uh, like a like a WASD kind of thing but it's more to like focus on the room itself as like, opposed yeah, like to the character tank, yeah you're controlling a tank character from above yeah it's like the resident evil <laughs> yeah um and then strategy mode which is where i ended up playing most of this from and it made it feel very uh warcraft like to me actually um as, not uh, world as of things warcraft. went on not world of warcraft no yeah. no it's it's wow versus warcraft um which uh would be more familiar with people who uh may have played like baldur's gate or something like that it's kind of top down uh you can use the middle mouse button to kind of like change your angle um uh both uh, uh as you look down on it and also like rotate around um and that allows you get, to get around some of those um problems with like doors not being visible or clickable from that yeah view. yeah yeah and and the, this would have made the most sense uh, for me, but there's something, you know, the game isn't too, like, the level of abstraction is different. You know, in, in Baldur's Gate, like, your characters are actually very tall compared to buildings. Yeah. And you, you move very quickly. Here, when I switch into that mode, like, everything seemed to happen too slow and there's too much space between things. Mm-hmm. Like, there's, like, a lack of immediacy to the movement that, like, I couldn't get used to. And then also would run into glitches. Yeah, yeah. So, everything about this is kind of slipshod. Uh, from a mechanical level, aside from like the spreadsheet stuff that's happening behind the scenes with like the, the third actual, edition rules, yeah. totally. Like the the actual bones behind it are, are rock solid. It is the mechanical execution, and people who listen to the show know that that's like not something that like we usually give a shit about. Right. Um. You know. It, so it should tell you something how bad it is that it's coming up. Right. You know that, and it's going to come up a couple of times. It's, you know, like there are a couple of infuriating glitches that are real repeat offenders. Like yeah. Um, especially related to like AI and things like that. It's, uh, Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that in the combat. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like the, the, the camera, it is, it is a notable, it is a notable, uh, kind of point of friction for a lot of people. It's worth looking past it. Like we yeah, did, yeah. <laughs> we didn't make a decision to cover something else after we both encountered it. And we're like, Ugh. sure. And then yeah. we, we could have, you know, again, there's no governing body. Um, <laughs> The uh, and also spoiler, like we came away from this liking this mm-hmm. um, with with, you know, caveats. Yeah. Reservations. But, yeah. yeah. Like I, I didn't I didn't regret my time with this. Right. You know, I'll, on the balance, I'm really glad I played it. Um, so, you know, you, you you control your character, you can have your party and uh, you kind of level them up and build them. We'll talk about that in a minute. Um, and mostly uh, when you're going to switch into this, uh, this tactical mode is when you're going to get into fights. Right. Um, so you're kind of controlling positioning, um, you know, areas of effects, things like that. One of the uh, the big issues with this is uh, aggression management, and it's uh, it's interesting. One of the things, so this is you know everyone you know who knows me at all like knows I'm a really big fan of the Baldur's Gate, uh, those you know those early uh, Black Isle uh, kind of D and D role playing games, Icewind Dale stuff like that. I'm huge, huge into that. Yeah. Um, I have I have kind of mixed feelings of like Dragon Age, but I kind of like those, and these are the weird middle games. And they're so obviously the weird middle games uh, between them. And one of the big differences in them is that in uh, so when your D&D combat is based around, um, you know, having uh, frontline fighters and ranged fighters uh, and then usually spellcasters that do some kind of control and then healers that support, um, you know, you have those full different four different roles. Uh, tactically, it is advantageous for you to immediately target an enemy spellcaster or for the enemies to do this to you. 
in uh, Baldur's Gate, they just kind of didn't. So, like, you know, you're fighting some gnolls. They will just come up and fight your fighter because right. he's the closest one. The AI is too stupid to to make it work. Dragon Age has this complicated suite of MMO-like aggro management tools. You know, like, you're fighting usually only a few targets. When you fight them, you have all these things that, like, this character, you know, yells and everyone targets them. Yeah, things like spe- that. specifically by tools, you mean, like, abilities. Like, those characters are kind of built around the idea of actually managing that actively as opposed yes. to just kind of falling into this blind spot that the uh, that the game has decided to create for melee versus ranged. Whereas Neverwinter Nights 2, no. uh, the biggest problem with the combat in this is that uh, there's no there's no real way to manage aggro so enemies like i control my spellcaster he's going to be the one who's going to be doing like one i like playing spellcasters but two like he's going to be the one making the most choices you know a fighter you just kind of set him and forget him on the Mm -hmm. the biggest target and then you you move on so the uh the enemy targets whoever you're controlling uh they favor that right so if you're controlling the spellcaster there's nothing to stop like an army of orcs (laughs) from just passing all your fighters and just hitting you know your guy and 3.5 3.5 has rules for this. It does. Like, if you're like attack of table, opportunity. Like if you're running across it, like, okay, your actual frontline fighter guys will be able to act like a, like and, a, a, a defensive line in football or an offensive line in football. Here. Yeah. Like the, there are attacks of opportunity. The enemy is too stupid to care about them. Right. So the enemy, the issue is the enemy doesn't have AI that makes it want to prevent that from happening. Like they would, if you're playing tabletop. Mm-hmm. Uh, so playing as a, as a wizard, uh, can get pretty frustrating because everyone just bum rushes you. <laughs> yep. It's like, um, why do I even have? I mean, eventually, like later on, I had uh, a party that was myself, who was a wizard, Quara and Sand and Amanjaro. Like, well, we're all like, nothing matters. So I'm just yeah. going to just straight up yeah. bulldoze everybody. It's fine. It's, it's fine. all just going to be huge explosions, you know? And there, the game gives you, because it has this really complicated D&D rule set under it, you have a lot of options to deal with this. Mm hmm. You know, eventually, but it's it's kind of a weird prioritization where, like, eventually it became like, okay, before getting into a fight, rather than buffing all of my fighters and stuff, I'm mm-hmm. just going to cast, like, a thousand stone skins <laughs> on my mage. Like, I just need to be able to have him not get interrupted until he does ridiculous, huge explosions, you know, and is able to take out large swaths of the enemy on his yeah, own. Yeah, the, the mage shouldn't be casting stone skin on himself. No, like no, all no. The- Right. Like all the time, though. Like, I mean, sometimes, sure. Like, that's, you know, it's a good spell yeah, for that. Yeah. But, like, it's also a good thing to throw on your frontline fighters, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I rarely did. Yeah. Um, it just, the, it, it, like, so I, I like playing these games as, as a support character. And mm-hmm. just that, that made it less tenable to do that because yeah. I was just buffing the people who would end up coming up and attacking the people who were attacking me from behind. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's kind of a, it's a, it's an AI problem. And in some ways, like, it's very effective. So it's hard to call it bad AI, mm-hmm. but it doesn't, it, rings untrue because there's no sense of self-preservation right and it just doesn't it doesn't feel like the kind of thing that the rules encourage again see the defensive line or attack opportunity kind of thing like it feels like if this system was representing a a good dm it would be balanced for drama and fun as opposed to effectiveness yeah and like the the enemies would care about getting hit in the back with like kelgar in the back (laughs) of an axe you know um the this has ramifications that are go further than you might think so like one of the early decisions you make in this game is you set up the difficulty option. Uh, you can play it on easy if you just don't want to deal with uh, any amount of hard combat. I wouldn't recommend that because there's a lot of combat and it mm-hmm. will be boring to go through. Uh, normal is pretty balanced. Like I, there were some challenging parts. Like there are several fights I had to fight try several times, and that was really yeah. great. Um, but it doesn't have friendly fire with spell effects. 
that is the big consideration in spell effects in D&D. Right. Like that is the reason why your character doesn't just cast fireball all the time is because you'll hit your own party members. Mm-hmm. Um, or why in, there's a such thing as like spell shaping, right? Which you yes, have yeah, to, yeah, exactly. you know, spend and make spells more difficult to uh, to, to cast in order to in not order, hurt your folks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And and so the in Neverwinter Nights 2, um, you have to go up to the next highest difficulty level to en- enable that. Mm-hmm. And it becomes like most of your spells will never be used because the action is always going to be right in your sorcerer's face, mm-hmm. you know, right in your wizard's face. So like I ended up playing it at normal, even though I like those tactical considerations a lot because the AI didn't give me other tools to deal with it. Yeah. Uh, it was, you know, real big bummer. Um, the other way that you'd be able to get those spells off, and this is another bummer that like you might have later in the notes, but just something that's a particularly like a pet peeve of mine, mm-hmm. is that there are so many encounters that have to have like two lines of dialogue before they start. <laughs> and they do that fucking Grand Theft Auto thing of the the guy being invincible until they're ready for them to die. Mm-hmm. Games, you have to stop doing that. I yeah. hate it so much. Like they're, Sometimes they're just like, it says thug. Like I hover over his name and it says thug and I've been killing thugs left and right. Mm-hmm. But the game, these thugs are plot invincible until they get to tell me that they're thugs yeah, so why am i using my <laughs> my limited spell cast in order to be yeah. this invincible thing yeah well and you and you just you know that would be a way that the area of effect would support you right because mm-hmm. like oh i got the drop on these guys none of my frontline fighters are there i soften them up with a fireball and then send in my fighters. oh yeah yeah so like you need you to know? go in yeah it needs to be yeah. a, a scene first exactly yeah. it has to be literally a melee where my mage is in danger for it to work mm-hmm uh, and those those little things are one of my favorite things about and Pillars of Eternity does that bullshit, too. And like, I feel like it's a really bad design thing. Mm-hmm. And one of my favorite things about uh, Divinity Original Sin is that it doesn't. Right. So everyone is killable at all times in Original Divinity Sin. Like, if you know that, like, it's like this guy is just going to betray me. I don't need to listen to his bullshit. Uh, <laughs> you can, you know, go post yourself across the map and like prepare the battlefield without, you know, aggroing him yeah or you can you can hit him with a volley of things and then charge you know it's like a Mm -hmm. tactically sound thing that this system doesn't allow you to do because it's in love with it's like frankly like most times pretty mediocre storytelling yeah you know again like a pin like i like this game but most of the time the things that these characters are going to be saying before you get the jump on them is not worth hearing yeah they're going to mention their boss they're going to talk about a little bit of what you're going to see after them and then you're going to kill them yeah (laughs) which so, so just it, it wanting to have these big grand melees where everyone is kind of in the mix in the same room mm-hmm. uh just feels like wiping away a huge swath of tactical options mm-hmm. uh that you could have and it, it's it's legitimately a bummer like the first time that happened i was like these guys just have tons of hp and mm-hmm. then you know went up to them and then they could be hurt and i'm like well fuck you like <laughs> well you know man, do I hate that. like like the pre-fight you know in these games where you can rest uh, ahead of them and it doesn't take eight hours of in-game time you just like yeah take a knee for five seconds you know eat some orange slices and drink some water yeah. uh, <laughs> you know like <laughs> like the pre-fight is supposed to be for preparing for those not uh actually like using up all of your resources uh, exactly. against against something futile uh did you run into like some real problems with like party ai degradation um yeah okay so i would have um i had a couple things that would pop up pretty consistently um pathfinding is the big like complaint about this game for most people yeah. uh, i've only had a couple instances of that that wasn't so bad for uh, me it was more yeah. like party members deciding that they were just perpetually in like follow mode or like stand around with our thumb or our butt mode puppet and then mode. puppet mode yeah but like, like i would i would <laughs> activate them to continue like i would deactivate puppet mode and i would still have to uh 
issue individual commands, which like for certain fights for like temple fights, I really like going in and saying like, Hey, Kalgar, you, you would really do well to fight this particular person. But like when I am just okay, you know, you're advising him like a college, like, like a, <laughs> like a high school guidance counselor. Kalgar? I would like to see you engage the shadow yeah, master. Yeah, I, I don't that... feel I don't feel like you're living up to your potential, Kalgar. I think you could apply yourself yeah. better. No, don't uh, become a monk. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't mean go to monk you. <laughs> like... um, but but I mean like micromanagement is fun when you opt into it, not when it is you know rendered necessary because you know your character is like you know out there dying on his own and everybody else isn't doing their thing and i couldn't yeah. figure out how to get around that and usually it was a voice command that was well, like what, standing between me say. yeah that, that's that's how you get around it and it took me like it was embarrassing really in the game where i figured out what this was i was like well another, into chapter like, two to do that <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah me too like there's a glitch that will happen where your characters will stop following you yeah uh, even when they're in follow mode mm-hmm. and it's because a uh, voice command which you you maybe i, I slipped them with my fingers and did it maybe it just yeah. happened you know but uh where they will get under the influence of another voice command and usually when the when your players are doing something stupid um it's a result of them following their voice command yeah so like uh you know you can set them like as a wizard i have them set to guard me all the time mm-hmm. um so that's why they'll be attacking a guy the guy will only have one hit left but then somebody will get too little too close to you and they'll change targets <laughs> um it's because they're on guard me yeah but it's so like eventually <laughs> yeah, you know it's still very frustrating it's not very smart ai yeah. You know, like they need a little bit more like they're they're not ready for prime time with this stuff. Yeah. And, you uh, know, it's just, it's just more like so there's like there are options you can do in the character uh, commands like you can set up not like gambits, you know, not like not mm-hmm. not that granular, but you can set up their follow distance. You can set up how aggressive you want them to be, et cetera. Like mm-hmm. there, there's a line between Final Fantasy 12 style gambits, which, again, are fun. But, you know, you have to be looking for that and constantly reminded them once more into the breach, my friends. Yeah. You know. Yeah, exactly. Um, so pretty, that, 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 I also found that to be frustrating. It's also something that though, in the conversation around this game, I think is overstated too. It's like, it happens, but it's for me, it wasn't like every single fight, like it would happen. There'd be enough time in between this being a major incident that, you know, I would forget about that. It was going to be a thing, mm-hmm. you know, I, like I would go, like I'd go through like seven fights and be like, fine. Yeah. And then that eighth one, people would turn act like shitheads and I'd be like, okay, now I need to be a little bit more engaged it's weird because it becomes a problem like okay the technical the technical soundness and the system soundness of this butting up against the design like most of the times where it ended up being a problem was like i am in this vaguely symmetrical dungeon of hallways with rooms off to the side that i understand are part of the wargaming roots of this you know mm-hmm. and it's like i really don't want to run into that friction right now like you should have in play testing recognized that this was an issue and either fix that or com- or really really reduce this and made it more about the big set piece kind of battles that would feel much better about micromanaging you know yeah i I agree with that i think that it's it's where that one flaw it's like two like kind of minor or lowercase flaws like they're workaroundable Mm -hmm. uh meat is when it gets the worst and that other flaw you're referring to is just the proliferation of like nonsense battles yeah you know like just like low low stakes you know there's still there are fewer of them than you know you fight random encounters and like you know, a, a JRPG kind of thing. Like it's right. not like random encounter level, like every two steps, right. but in any given dungeon, there's going to be like seven pockets of guys, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to have to fight and, and, and then maybe a boss guy. <laughs> and as you're running along, like, ah, oh, do to do. And then all of your party members go rushing up ahead around a corner. It's like, no, 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 I should have prepared for this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, I mean, it, it is old school CRPG, you know, again, like pretty good for a game from 1998, um, like old school CRPG, uh, save, 
quick saving. Yeah. Uh, and multiple save discipline is necessary. Oh yeah, that is like you, it, you'd be quick saving all the time because not only could you run into something that is like a difficulty spike and that's a reason why you'd actually want to just regular quick save, mm -hmm. but maybe, you know, your AI will fuck you. Yeah. I wasn't playing as a, as a, as an evocationist. I was playing as a chronomancer who was looking down on my evocationist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I am the master of time and space <laughs> and I just, uh, like, I just had to control all these very low intelligence humans. Um, so that, you know, there are, uh, as you know, since this is a D and D game, uh, kind of player choice, player expression is a big part of things. Right. Um, there aren't, you know, typical obsidian levels of like branching paths, but there are uh, individual choices where they're different ta tacks. They're not always black and white, uh, which is great. There are elements of like information gathering. There are non-combat quests you'll do, mm -hmm. um, and there's a lot of like interpersonal drama uh, with your party members. Right. Um, that is like pretty cool mm -hmm. for like this section like that's been a thing since Baldur's gate it is much more robust here yes and again you can see oh this is where they got dragon age from <laughs> right like um and, and like i think even better than that so dragon age has this kind of weird so like i'm not putting dragon age on trial here i also like dragon age you know just fine it's mm -hmm. fine yeah. um but like you know dragon age especially origins had a particular meter um, which is admittedly a step up from like, am I good or am I bad meter, mm -hmm. you know, but each person had like your level of influence and you would give them gifts with that they would like, and you could raise that here. It's just a simple numerical oh, score. You're right. Well, it's also, it's based on choices. Like I, to somehow I totally forgot about the gifts. Like where you, like, and that's so dumb and dragon, dragon yep, age it's, worth. It's like, real dumb. It's literally putting like coins into a machine to like up a meter. <laughs> yep. And, and if I put enough coins into this meter, it'll have sex with me. Yep. <laughs> Fucking Bioware. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, that also related to, like, if you decided, like, you know, if you decided to save a bunch of people, Morgan would lose influence. Like, sure. it, wasn't, it wasn't just the gifts. So like, you had to the give her like, a branch you found. Right. And swap and she'd <laughs> forget about that. Yeah, the, the, the gifts were, uh, were, were a way to thumb the scale. Here, it's more like, okay, you're, you're, you're still proceeding, right? But it's like how you treat them in the dialogue. So, you know, if you tell Nishka, like, it, like this is fine, but I kind of don't need you to be chiming in right now <laughs> because you're going to make stuff worse um you know then suddenly you know you will lose influence with her and this kind of you know like it nickel and dimes you and adds up to a couple of different checks which is pretty great because you don't have to roll like diplomacy against your own party which is kind of weird yeah. you know kind of great i i hate the idea of doing that it's like oh let my history with them speak for myself because this shouldn't be up the chance um you know so you get bonuses or different situations will work out in a, in a different way and there's something really great that happens at the end of the game i was gonna this. say like this the payoff is great like it's actually yeah. genuinely really impressive and feels very obsidian yeah you know it, it's the thing where this lives up to its, its maker you know mm -hmm. yeah um, and, th and that yeah. was uh that, that that's kind of ported over from a uh, coder two from Nightstealer republic two. Oh sure yeah yeah i i, I believe that um, a lot of the, a lot of the end of this game is will get you justifies a lot of the stuff that we're you know grousing about right at this point, and so this campaign was originally met, uh, meant for multiplayer, uh, but the capability is cut kind of at the last minute. Yeah, um, there's a huge kind of fan community um, about kind of incorporating this, finding workarounds and stuff for it. Yep. Um, so you can look that up if you want to, um, and it's one of those things where people kind of uh, get pissed about this. Uh, you know, I think a lot of that's fans of Neverwinter Nights 1, which I think is unplayable if you're not playing it with somebody else. Right. Um, this stands alone as its own thing significantly better. Yeah, I couldn't see how you would do Neverwinter Nights 2 with multiple people without making one person's choices and actions um, kind of moot and pointless. Yeah, or you'd, just, you'd keep two people, you know, one person would just make the choices and dialogue and stuff, and mm -hmm. then in combat, 
two, you'd have two AI and then two people that yeah, actually yeah, got yeah. control, but that would be kind of boring. Mm-hmm. Um, not that, you know, Neverwinter Nights one multiplayer is a little bit boring. Um, like, like <laughs> it, not, it, not, it, not it the with friends. Be. I mean, like yeah. co-op, you know, two people versus the campaign, mm-hmm. uh, you know, is, is playable, but not particularly great. Yeah. Um, um, we talked yeah. about the difficulty slider like that goes in there, but like, you know, how grog nerdy do you want this to be? Um, you know, is, is what you choose, man. I just want like somebody write in and give me an example of a game where you can like, not just pick, um, hard, medium or easy, but like actually select, um, you know, which elements you want to turn on. Because if I could have played on normal, but just enabled friendly fire, that would have been perfect for me. I'm, I'm sure there are, there are things where they allow you yeah. to do that. Um, I feel like um, there's a Dark's Dungeon does a really great job of that. Yeah. Has uh, like kind of a la carte difficulty options. Turn on and off the um, corpses and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, man. So one of the good things that came out of Neverwinter Nights 1, did you ever play around with the Aurora engine? I have not. I've I've only heard good things, but I haven't fucked with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's where, so Neverwinter Nights 1, um, we should talk about that just a little bit here. Main campaign, you're going around playing, uh, playing Paul Bart Zookeeper or whatever mm-hmm. um yeah, trying to the water find... deviant creatures yep uh, and water deviant whenever the water deviant creatures aren't on screen <laughs> everyone should be asking yeah. it's like they're the lord nasher of neverwinter one <laughs> neverwinter two neverwinter night two is all about lord nasher neverwinter nights one is all about the water deviant fucking creatures yeah hope. um and then uh so so <laughs> the the first one like uh, gosh like lords of Undertide or whatever not very good uh but the second uh expansion uh, uh hordes of the underdark was actually really good like mm-hmm. that was a lot of fun, um, but the majority of like the of, of the mileage that people got out of Neverwinter Nights one was through this um, custom campaign, kind of this corpus of custom campaigns that people made using the creation tools. Like there was a strategy guide that was released, like, hey, here's how to use these tools that shipped with the game, and like awesome. you would be able to yeah. like like I, I like I DM'd sessions, like you, you know you like one person would be the DM running folks through this stuff. Like it was, it was fantastic, and that's what kind of like drew me to Neverwinter Nights One was the idea of like having this third edition tool set, you know, inside of computer that you could, you could connect over the internet with. Yeah, that, that's just that's just fascinating and something that's really been lost in like D and D stuff. Yeah, because that was that was a thing in uh, gold box games too. Like I've talked about Unlimited Adventures a lot, uh, which was the the gold box equivalent of that. And it uh, was a really fantastic tool for for creating games. You couldn't play online with people. You'd make things and give them to your friends, mm-hmm. you know. But it was uh, kind of the earlier version of that. Um, I, I'm sure I would have been way into that if I would have come at this at the right age. Yeah. Um, and th- it's, you know, there still is the orange. And, like, you can still do that with Neverwinter Nights, too. Yep. Um, as well. So I, like just, that, that I haven't heard as much over. by people doing that with two. There's still there's still a, a presence. Cool. Like, there's still people who do it. Um, I think that it probably just has the associated jank that makes it a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. But people, there is a dedicated community to it, so much so that they figured out how to do things in engines that the developers didn't know how to do. <laughs> um, so, like, for example, when I was talking about how you'd be walking around town, you're fighting thugs, you'd see somebody and their name is just Thug, mm-hmm. you know, and it'd be like, oh, I know that guy's a thug. Uh, it's because the original developers had a hard time figuring out how to make a name change happen Yeah. Uh, in engine. And people who have fucked around with the Aurora engine, like, people make that happen in home mods. Yeah. So you'd just be like, you know, Carlos, the the blacksmith. And then he turns into a thug when you decide to kill him. Hmm. Uh, so there's there's ways that actually the community have outstripped the the developers and yeah. that, which is really you know what a what a cool advantage of PC gaming that is. <laughs> which is where, like it's I mean it's it's kind of funny because you know Obsidian was developing this with the blessing of uh, of Bioware, obviously Bioware being the people who developed the or the original Aurora engine. So whenever they had a technical question they needed to ask of them. 
Um, mm-hmm. You know, they, they, they basically had access to every single resource and we still kind of ended up with this weird half done thing. So again, the power of the community coming in and untying knots that even the people who made this thing couldn't untie. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, so the, Forgotten Realms, like we did an episode all about D&D where we talked about different yes. D&D sessions. Um, we can reference here if you want to hear, kind of, you know, our, our tight five on the Forgotten Realms. Uh, what's important for the purposes of this are a couple of key players. Um, so the Sword Coast is where this takes place. Um, it is a, uh, you know, there are various towns, but it's mostly uh, kind of dominated by Neverwinter. Yes. Um, which is a huge uh, town with a castle in the middle, lord by Lord Nasher and his nine, uh, the <laughs> Neverwinter Nine. Yes. Um, and he, everybody fucking loves Lord Nasher. Like mm-hmm. it is, he is, boy, is he just shot with grace and, and <laughs> impressiveness. And that was true in Neverwinter Nights too when he'd show up. Like everyone, oh, is Lord Nasher going to enjoy this? <laughs> yeah. There's definitely some guy who made the Forgotten Realms like old D&D character. Yeah. Who and, he imported into this. And it's hilarious because uh, because his presentation, whenever he shows up, he is just um, Patrick Stewart. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he's like slightly more bearded. He's like Patrick Stewart from the end of uh, Robin Hood, Men in Tights. Ah, uh, yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, yeah, and then also important. So we should also mention that this is not a direct sequel. No, um, no. You know, that's yeah, that's something probably worth getting out of the way because Neverwinter Nights 1 dealt with this, uh, again, finding these creatures uh, with this plague that faced the city. Um, this game mentions it and talks about it yeah. and talks about these like diplomatic relations. So Luskin, which is this uh, opposing area, this kind of majocracy. Yeah, it's uh, uh, like to, 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 to the north and it's kind of ruled by the host tower, the uh, yeah. these five, uh, sorry, four. Um, towers. Yes. Oh. Oh. What a Freudian slip. Um, <laughs> this, uh, the, the four mage towers and stuff. Yeah. And they were a player in Neverwinter Nights 1. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the diplomatic relations, that kind of shaky diplomatic ground sets the yeah, stage yeah. here. Uh, there's yeah. still the after effects of the plague from the first one, but it's not, you know, central. Yeah. So uh, uh, it is kind of a cool sequel in that it's another story within that world without direct continuity right right you know so if you're playing a forgotten realms campaign and you're on Farin, um then if you need a kingdom that is an immoral or amoral um majocracy then you're gonna flip a coin um if it's heads it's gonna be luskin of its uh if it's tails it's gonna be fey we're gonna go to fey later (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) um and then the other thing this uh, game it's followed up by a couple of uh, expansions and we say expansions it's not like current dlc it's right. big 20 hour like miniature games in the old sense uh, mask of the, the betrayer which is a direct sequel um that which we are going to be playing mm-hmm. um and storm of z here uh, which we are not going to be playing uh, by all accounts is not as good mm-hmm. um i read about it a little bit it is apparently supposed to be the icewind dale to the original campaign's Baldur's gate not what you- i'm here for <laughs> Well, it's so the fun, the appealing part to me is that you would create your whole party. Right. So like here, when you get companions, uh, they're locked in their class, yeah. which is kind of a bummer. Being able to literally create people from the ground up and do these weird multi-class combinations and stuff mm-hmm. like that is something I would be here for. But I don't want to deal with a really shitty story and like endless dungeons to do it. You yeah. know, like I'm a, I'm an Icewind Dale defender, but I think mm-hmm. if I want that kind of experience, I'll go to Icewind Dale. Yeah. And also, I don't care about Zahir and his astral plane nonsense. Me, me either. Yeah. Or, <laughs> or I mean, like I play Temple of Elemental Evil, which is, you know, actually the best 3.5 rules implementation hmm. that has ever been. I don't know if you've ever played that game, but. No, it's, it's it, a, again, that like that is something that has kind of fallen into the Neverwinter Nights 2 hole of, of uh, people saying it is technically unstable and unplayable and therefore is not worth you know, looking yeah. at like, not like make, that and pools of radiance. Like I've heard terrible things about both. Not that can, I believe them, but just, you know, that's the impression sure. I get. Like you can, it's, it's very possible to make temple of elemental evil work. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the issue with it, the weird thing that I think that actually had worn people off of it or that might put people off is that it is a direct one-to-one uh, you know, uh, expression of a campaign module right. from D&D. Like, it is the Temple of Elemental Evil for all that's worth. <laughs> so like uh you know the story is the same it's got like D- there's no like kind of subversive modern writing like it is very straightforward um you there's you know a couple of miniature dungeons that lead to it but there's the big dungeon and you're going to make multiple trips into this big dungeon go out and rest yeah. etc like but it's really like in that's actually kind of awesome you yeah. know like it's a prestige dungeon that like has a big story and all this lore to it and like it feels a lot like playing D mm-hmm. to me yeah, um, it's just got a better like it's got this really great 3.5 overhead like five foot steps and area of uh, you know is uh, it you can do that turn based or real time? Um, I think it's similar to this. Okay. I think it is uh, turn based you know pause real time pause. Right. Um, but it's been a long time since I played it. I played it when it first came out. So, yeah. uh, but it it is it is pretty neat. Yeah. So one of the things that's nice about this so that game is what 13 years old. Uh, this one mm-hmm. is 10. Um, you know, twice a year on GOG just they run a D and D sale and you can, you can get all of these things for like 20, 30 bucks and kind of and like dive in yep. tons of shit. Cause yeah. it's not only do you get like all the Icewind Dale and Baldur's Gate games, which is huge. Yeah. Uh, these never winter night games, which are at least half good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you get like those, you know, those Dritz games that are based on the old Lord of the Rings games. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, you get like a fun. demon stone is what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Demon stone is fun. You get the, the Warcraft clone, which is actually surprisingly good. Mm hmm. Um, and they've only added to that now because they just got the right to, uh, like Eye of the Beholder and Al Kadim and a bunch of those old, old games. This is a good time to put in uh, something in the show notes just because I want it for posterity. Yep. Um, there's a guy on YouTube who has the hilarious YouTube name of nineties gamer 92, uh, which I think is very funny, <laughs> uh, who has a, a soothing Dr. Sparkle-esque voice okay. who has done all these videos on old CRPGs. Uh, and he did a, a feature length, so two more than two hour long history of video games in D and D. Oh, nice! That, that made like... one of one of my dream projects moot. <laughs> like I was like, <laughs> I'm gonna do that, and then he just did it. So it's like, yeah. oh, fuck. That. <laughs> like, um, so weird. Weirdly enough, he skips Neverwinter Nights one and two, not because they're not important, but because he's like, these will require more time than right. I than I have. But it's great if you want to read about those pre Baldur's Gate, like, or learn about those pre Baldur's Gate, like. Because there's the gold box, and there's this huge middle section that's really weird with, like, mm-hmm. um, like I said, al There's a couple of Dark Sun games in there. There's a couple of yeah, Ravenloft yeah. games for 3DO. Um, and he covers it all. It's wonderful. Just, like, part of that pre-3.0, like, fragmentation that they had. Yeah. 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 And that's such a cool time for, like, games based on this stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely, uh, I'll put that in the show notes. It's yeah. definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Um, and he's done um, a bunch of other really great stuff, too. Like, he's, it's a cool YouTube channel. Yeah. So, um, Can I be incredibly mercenary here? Yeah, we didn't do this intentionally, but uh, this being our Western RPG in the same year that we started Monster in my podcast, oh uh, sure, kind of serendipitous. So yeah. as, you know, if we talk about something like uh, like a bugbear, go listen to us talk about bugbears on Monster in my podcast. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird because I I do know more like re- doing that kind of close read of that, even though we don't discuss the monsters entirely mm-hmm. uh has made me more knowledgeable about monsters me too i love it <laughs> uh, that uh that volo's guide that came out i'm sure God. you've heard about that is, is that is that available in physical yet because i want it physical yeah. ah, i bought it uh on the amazon uh black friday sale and okay. i've been reading it and it's it starts off with like six pages on beholders with the promise of more beholders later oh jesus yeah no i'm and gonna get that all ecology like it's all just and they're making i'm like halfway through the giant chapter and it's making giants cool like <laughs> it's it's really really good yeah i'm buying it now 
Um, yeah, oh it's, gosh, it's, in stock. Oh, December twelfth. So like in a couple of weeks, I'm going to get okay. that. And that's written from a couple of different voices, right? It's like from a like an academician and a uh, dungeoneer. It's uh, it's mostly Volo himself, like who is okay. a Forgotten Realms uh, character. But there are notes from Elminster. Okay, Elminster there we go. Cool and stuff. So there are uh, little like kind of side notes. Yep. But um, yeah, it is uh, it's extremely good. Okay, and it's so, ordered. Yeah, awesome. All right, well, let's uh, <laughs> let's get into uh, Neverwinter Nights two here. Yeah, uh, um, but before we do that, like that is the generalities for the rest of the three episodes that we're gonna do or whatever. It's uh, yes, you know, everything well, it's actually, is. So, some things are actually a little different when we get to Mask of the Betrayer, okay. mechanically, but we'll talk about them. Okay. Yeah. Um, there aren't very many. There'll be a little little subset. Okay. So uh, what? Uh, tell me about the uh, the premise here, Cole. Yes. So instead of doing the plot, because this is a Western RPG, let's just give you the, the, the first principle. So West Harbor is this town along the Mare of Dead Men on the uh, the Sword Coast. It is this uh, cursed swamp that uh, uh, used to be the seat of the fallen Ilfarn Empire. Again, fall, our, uh, uh, Forgotten Realms folks will know what that is. Uh, so we apply um, collectively as this young adventurer who was born shortly after this battle with the evil forces of the mayor and Elfarn. Um, and uh, we kind of uh, kind of things look like the past is coming back to haunt us and the Sword Coast in this big, bad way. Yes. Um, starting off is, uh, with chapter one, uh, kind of act one here with this tutorial. Um, the tutorial here is a little bit more elegant than the tutorial in the first one where it's literally like, go learn from the fighting man. <laughs> um, it's, still, yeah. it's, it's still not great, but it's, it's, so it, play, it takes place at this, uh, this kind of harvest, uh, festival that we oh, have right. going on. And, uh, we're <laughs> and into I, our, I resented what? this so much playing the, uh, playing the harvest festival. I still think that's a very bad way to theme the intro. <laughs> it's pretty silly. Like, yeah. I, like I said, I, I appreciate it not being like, go talk to arrow man to learn arrows, but yeah, it yeah. is, uh, it is pretty frustrating. It's also tonally super weird because we're introduced to Dagon here. <laughs> uh, your, your character's your adopted father. Yeah. Your foster dad. who's a real dick. <laughs> yeah. He's, he is one of the weirder characters in this story. Like, I, I don't think that everybody like, when there's bad acting in this story, a lot of times it's kind of, you know, you know what they're going for. Mm -hmm. I never really under, I think that what they're trying to do is so since you could play any alignment in this, they needed to be able to be able to have any kind of relationship with your father. Yeah. <clears throat> and they didn't want to have it be like fallout three where like your father automatically, you know, well, you shouldn't have blown up Megaton. Oh, well, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like automatically was as sympathetic as a Liam Neeson's. Exactly. Like, they, yeah, they didn't want to make him like Liam Neeson's. They wanted to make him like whoever this this yeah, guy this, is. This Spock. This, like, he's this, like a Spock this, character. This wooden cipher. So this wooden yeah. cipher for authority is what he is. Yes. <laughs> yes. You'll go get the cop. You know, he's very, like, uh, very stern in a way that like, and it, it, they just didn't want to re-record his dialogue. You know, he had to be a voice character. So if I'm like, yes, father, you've, thank you very much. You've honored me. So he's like, mm, very well. No time for that. Like he's yeah. still like he reacts in this way that can, you know, meets the bare minimum for being you being kind or not. Right, right. And yeah. this was before or concurrent with something like something like Oblivion, where your actions kind of determined and suggested what you would be good at. You know, yes. like you created your character and you made decisions about your class and your alignment before this actually happened. Exactly. You know? um, yeah. So uh, that necessarily makes Dagon this figure who is, again, just a cipher um, who comes back later. But it is it is a very strange origin. 
Um, so this tutorial just kind of has you going around and doing these different trials, uh, beating up some local toughs, um, <laughs> stealing from people, which I don't think they would actually want to encourage. Um, yeah. and then also determining whether or not somebody artificially juiced their pig. I love that. <laughs> Like in a in a land with a large creature, and you're doing like a who's got the biggest pig contest. Like that's that's very good. Uh, it's very you know it's quaint. The idea here is to make you. Uh, this is all gonna you know we're gonna come back here and stuff. Yeah, this, it's it's making you like West Harbor. You know, it's giving you the, the hometown idea. vibe. Yeah, it's a little too generic to really work right in that respect. But like that's what it's trying to do, and it's like you could okay, I get it. Like this is a this is an origin story. Yeah, and this feels like you know they have to show spider-man being a regular high schooler before they give him powers you know um, um a good decision that i like in this is that they give you temporary companions with this it's like oh, your yeah. buddies from training so you have bevel the fighter um and amy who's this kind of precocious mage um and yep. your relationship with, you know can change depending on which uh which sex you choose for your character yeah and you you recruit a lock-picking toddler uh, <laughs> <laughs> so uh, you recruit a little, real little guy. Um, and, uh, so you're kind of going through again, doing this, you win the cup. Um, I don't know if it's possible to lose it. Um, but I, but I got the cup and the cup actually cures light wounds, uh, twice a day. Oh, wow. For free. So it's actually like, uh, kind of a good, like, boy, this would, this, this could sustain a village. Like if this, if this <laughs> really in real life, like this would be a world changing magical item yeah him i'm um, sorry i totally like sprained my ankle coming into this village do you have a doctor here no we have a cup yeah we have we have a, <laughs> can i show you to the trophy room well actually i'm kind of hurt i know <laughs> so yeah so the, you'll want to keep this on uh i kept this on my main character because it's a surprising you know while before you get a, a competent healer right uh, right yeah. it's <laughs> it's kind of funny i didn't realize that i i, I know that the uh the the you you get in like i think it's like a cloak that does something similar it's like mm -hmm. a cloak or an amulet that gives you aid which is also very very, very good i held on to the cup thinking it was gonna you know come in useful later like i didn't sell it for its 500 gold um even yeah. though i totally should have i was like worried that eventually like oh we need to melt down your childhood cup to form the sword that's gonna sure it's gonna I defeat the enemy I kept a lot of trophies in this game. Like you get yeah. one little storage thing when you eventually get your base and like a lot of just like little things I put in like, Oh, it's my, my cloak from the city guard, my city watch cloak. <laughs> I'm never yeah. going to use this again. Yeah, my commemorative cloak. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so you go after this night, you know, pretty happy drunk on cup juice. You, uh, you go to sleep <laughs> and you're, uh, you're woken up in the middle of the night because the village is being attacked by bladelings and gray dwarves. Yep. <laughs> um, are attacking the harbor and uh this is your you know your big action scene like the militia is being organized um you know you need to uh you reach your companions you have to fight these things off yeah um i was Amy impressed dies. with the scale of this actually yeah it feels like the big battles actually go pretty well in this mm -hmm. um like and that they're gonna that's gonna pay off later like there is you know there's there's not like a lack of craft in this like as much as there are some elements that are kind of like this is a book ending mm-hmm Thing. you know this being here is important to what yeah. happens at the end of the game and like so some of this early part of the game that feels accidental and kind of like not as interesting as the later stuff is not on accident no um amy dies you know trying to uh help her master her mage master yeah. in a duel who <laughs> just um, doesn't care yeah he's that guy's also a dick like everybody <laughs> like they should have made somebody in west harbor other than bevel like a decent person <laughs> yeah. and it would have made it much easier to care about this place <laughs> There's also a, an optional side quest again, shaping your uh, shaping your alignment uh, to go rescue some orphans uh, from mm -hmm. bladelings inside of the uh, inside of the house. I don't know why so many orphans are ending up in the swamp. Are <laughs> like a lot of people like dropping their it's, kids in the river? It's the Tower of Defilement, dude. Ah, yeah, or like or it's the uh, Valley of Defilement. They're just dropping <laughs> them off. Uh, 
Yeah. So, um, uh, <laughs> but this uh, kind of ends in a big charge, right? Where you're yeah. going in, and you know, again, there are going to be casualties on all sides, but you come out victorious. Um, and you find out that uh, you know these guys are coming from this direction over in the swamps where these lizard people are at. Yep, and and Digon says that uh, out there, there's actually a place where he sends you to go get this shard. Yeah, that yeah. is out. Yeah, uh, that, that the, he's kept there. Yeah, he's keeping in his security swamp uh, <laughs> near all the lizard men. Yeah. Um, so, so you go. This is your first little dungeon. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just you and Bevel, and uh, you 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 head over here and fight a bunch of lizard men. Yeah. Um, you can avoid fighting them, um, and this will kind of pay off later. Um, talking about skills, real quick, we didn't really talk about character creation stuff in the beginning but we'll kind yeah. of talk about character stuff as it as it comes up it's hard to design um, how much of the talk how much of that to talk about though because of like D D three three because like there are a couple of wrinkles here but it's like the difference between a cleric and a fighter you know sure well yeah. there, there's i think there's a lot like this has tons of classes like it yeah, is yeah. more much more robust than than we're used to for mm-hmm. this stuff um one of the things is there are skills and, and most of those skills are uh crafting related uh, social related, magic related in some way, or thief related. Right. And uh, the social ones, uh, there's bluff, uh, diplomacy, and intimidate. Mm-hmm. And you pretty much just need one. Right. So choose what approach you want to take through the world and emphasize that skill. Yeah. And um, boy, oh boy, does the optimize button want to give you crafting skills? It really does. <laughs> like, and and it's uh, that optimize button is is a trap. Um, so we'll, we'll talk about crafting too. That's another major system in this game. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Mm-hmm. Um, just when it feels appropriate, but, um, it's one I didn't engage with very much. Um, but it is, uh, that's how you break the game. Like you can right. make items and stuff that, you know, break the game with it yeah, in a Morrowind kind of fashion. Yeah. And yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. You know, like it's a cool thing to add to this, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's always been a part of D and D. Um, but it's just something that's like, this game has a lot of systems that are totally optional mm-hmm. and are really complicated. Yeah. So if you want to dive into that, you can, Yeah. Uh, which is something I always respect in games. Like, you know, this is as deep as you want it to be for sure. Uh, yeah. It's a, it's one of those things like my, my optimal D and D game doesn't lean into the combat side of things. Like mm-hmm. it uses things like the intimidate check and, you know, even like athletic or like detect, detect trap kind of stuff um in order to get through uh scenarios um it feels like most of the non-combat skills in this crafting included kind of lean into um being combat support or combat avoidance sure yeah, yeah that's, that's definitely how um s- social checks end up being yeah. about half the time i feel like yeah um you know but sometimes they let you avoid combat entirely which is great mm-hmm. sometimes they will just give you advantages in discussions and stuff yeah so there are or gives you a little information mm-hmm. um but essentially, you're just fighting lots of lizard men here out in their swampy camps. Um, <laughs> this is not the game putting its best foot forward. This is a really drab, ugly area. You know, your hometown is a drab, ugly area. Like, yeah, and I get the turn off of this. Lizard men are just orc surrogates, you yes. know, a, a, uh, a little bit. There's, you know, they're tribal. You go in there and like, hey, you probably, you know, just, can we just get through here and grab this thing? Um, and it's more ancestral homelands kind of stuff. Sure, like like yeah. a Native American parable kind of thing that always happens with you know these the, the noble savage stereotype yeah. that shows up in these things which is kind of a bummer um i couldn't pass the diplomacy check either mm-hmm. ended up killing a bunch of dudes but yeah it's okay um and got the large shard uh large shard sent me a lot of bonuses <laughs> because as you get these shards they're actually kind of awesome because if yeah. you keep them in your inventory you get serious stat upgrades mm-hmm. and they have no weight so you just kind of have a bunch of this inventory yeah. chaff that uh gives you these ambient uh, advantages yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
Um, when you get back, you talk to Dagan again, and he sends you. He's like, mm, okay, go find Uncle Duncan. <laughs> like he just you know gives you his his robot talk uh, <laughs> to go find uh, his his half brother Duncan in Neverwinter, who will know more about these shards. Yes, yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so as you kind of head out to you know again leave your home in this hero's journey uh, we get these cutscenes. usually at the end of these little sections these uh these subheaders here you have some cutscenes. here there's this elven woman who is kind of watching you from the crest of a hill um and then and then leaving and that'll pay off and and we can talk just for a second about the uh, terrible machinima quality. <laughs> this of... is this is um this is zoo race slash angel quiz quality. <laughs> it really is. It's it's really not not there. No, nope. we're trying to be. And when they actually do the beginning and ending kind of like uh, slideshows and stuff like that, they just do them in still shots. Mm-hmm. That's such it would be such a smarter choice. It really really would than doing them in engine because like these are not like these are not the worst looking models I've ever seen. Like this is probably below the curve a little bit for 2006, mm-hmm. but they're not. You know, it's not as ugly as Neverwinter Nights one. Like it's not. Right. You know, I've seen uglier. Right? They're not Dorito monsters. Like they're they not are. Dorito monsters. Yeah. yeah. They. You know, but they still their faces don't have enough expression mm-hmm. for this. They're like it, everything has a crudity to it that makes these cutscenes carry very little emotional weight. Like you have to buy in way harder than you have to in like Baldur's Gate when it's just text. Right. And you know, like th- that's my point on this too. Is like you look at something like Baldur's Gate or Planescape, which I have more experience with, and it's like, oh, there's just plenty here with just text. And it feels like extending into a weakness for the sake of apparent production value. Yeah. Um, you know, when they could have just kind of described this stuff as it goes along or just kind of shown a composed image. Yeah. A, a still shot would have been much better of you leaving the swamp with somebody looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, that does, that does pay off, but it is a uh, there's a hilarious thing that happens later and you were talking about it on Slack. So I'm glad people <laughs> honed in on it and we'll get to it. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's very funny. Um, so uh, we had to, there's a little like roadside inn called the weaving willow Inn uh, on our way here. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where we meet our first companion. Uh, yes. Kelgar. Kelgar. He is a dwarf who loves to fight. In fact, that is his entire career. He's left his clan and he's going around just getting into as many fights as possible. He's not bad. He's just fixated. He's, yeah, he's, he's, it's, it's actually like, I came to really like Kelgar. Oh, Kelgar's like, great. Especially like Kelgar is a pretty good character. And I think the the thing about him is that, uh, the game doesn't let him off the hook for how stupid this is. <laughs> like he, he's into it for the wrong reasons. Like he, his backstory is. He ran to some some sun soul monks, which in this world are like, you know, they're the monastery of super fighters. Like they're the, right. the, you know, the Kung Fu masters and they just beat the shit out of him. And he's like, <laughs> I want to learn how to fight that way. Like, you know, um, but he doesn't get it. And right. his whole thing is like, you know, learning how to do that for the right reasons or ultimately rejecting that because it doesn't matter because the things he gave up to go do this are more important. Right. Uh, and his his character arc kind of follows that like he all of the things that he has to do to prove himself to be a monk, if you want to go down that, mm-hmm. uh, involve kind of reclaiming things he's forsaken in pursuit of this. Right. Um, so he's he's kind of a deceptively deeper character than he seems. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he's just he's just a dwarf like I love ale, but I hate elves. You know, he's he's <laughs> yeah. very generic dwarven, but there's a little bit more depth here than it initially seems. Yeah, there's plenty going on. And that that kind of won me over um, even in this, you know, as these contradictions between his between his desires and his reality kind of came forward. I was like, oh, that's kind of a neat way to treat this. Like mm-hmm. you can you can have him apparently act like this, 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 this dumb ale, happy fight, happy dwarf um, and kind of show that there is something greater to that. And like that kind of sold me on this mystique of, you know, honor and duty and such. 
Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's pretty good. And yeah. he, he was like a, a cornerstone for my, like he never left my party. Like oh, he yeah. is, uh, he's <laughs> so, very, you know, very necessary, very strong fighter and very uh, necessary. Yeah. And uh, like, be very careful of that, uh, that recommended button because it's going to make him the best armor crafter in the land. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, do you not need that? Nope. From him. Like, <laughs> yeah. And, uh, so something weird about this, I, I imagine there's an even split, but if you're not playing as a melee focused character, he'll be one of two, um, two and a half, let's say, uh, because one of them is temporary competent melee fighters that you get. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's surprising how few of those you get. Like if you come to this game with a mage, you will find three other casters <laughs> like, you know, and two of them in fairly quick su- succession. Yeah. Uh, if you're coming at this from, you know, a, if you want a traditional cleric, you won't get one until like the end of act two. Right. So like there is a way to kind of game it and get, you know, make your party rounder. Yeah. Um, you know, from the back. But mm-hmm. uh, so you're in this inn, uh, it gets attacked. Yeah. Um, you know, while you're in the inn by the people who are kind of chasing you, you were leaving, uh, left the village to kind of save it to stop these gifts <laughs> and uh, from from attacking it. But they have found you and uh, you fight a bunch of bladelings in the inn. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, eventually, though, you take take off and you go to Fort Locke, which yes. you were going to stop at, on your way. And you meet your second companion member, uh, Nishka, mm-hmm. outside. I like Nishka, Nishka a lot. Uh, she's a tiefling. They pronounce it tiefling. There are a lot of pronunciations that don't line up with my head cannon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but she is. Uh, what's the uh, what's the tiefling in uh, in Planescape? Who I forget uh, her name. A- Anna, I think. Yeah, or, uh, Anna. There we yeah. go. Anna. Anna sounds right. Um, she's very similar um, to her. Actually, she's uh, she's like a uh, um, a very brash um, kind of uh, kind of rogue type person. Yeah, yeah, she's um she's not as good a voice actress, right? Um, and she is uh not quite as interesting or complicated. She's more like chaotic, kind of fun as opposed to chaotic, sexy, right? Like uh like Anna is, but uh she's still she's still good, and she has a fun rapport with Kalgar. Oh yeah, uh, you know they have she, they have a thing. She has a fun rapport with Kalgar in the next NPC we're gonna meet. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. Um, so she, yeah, she's good. And she's a thief. So they're, they're rounding out your D and D party. Yeah, Again, yeah, yeah. heaven forfend you started as a thief because like, <laughs> because boy, this is go. a cool party. Oh, which um, one of us is going to, which one of us is going to disarm this trap <laughs> or, or just not because there's a weird way. So like traps were devastating in Neverwinter Nights one, mm-hmm. which was a huge problem because you only had one companion with you. Yeah. So if you didn't play a thief or you didn't want to take the thief guy with you, you were just kind of fucked for a lot of stuff. Yep. Um, which led to me just bashing open chests rather than doing anything with them. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but traps are really tough in Neverwinter Nights Two. traps are really not that big a deal. Right. And, uh, you get an item that lets you unlock stuff pretty quick. Yeah. The, so, uh, like, the chime of unlocking or whatever. So eventually, like as soon as I could kind of manage it, I didn't take Nishka with me because I would rather just tank through the traps yeah. and unlock things. Like I like the idea of being able to disarm traps, but the game doesn't make it very important. Right. It's just more of an expedience so. kind of thing for like getting a research, get, getting through certain kind of situations. But the problem is like, like any kind of rogue that comes in, um, especially when you're not able to specifically spec for this kind of stuff is like, eventually you start fighting demons and undead who are not backstabbable. Um, and because yeah. of those aforementioned attack, attack of opportunity and alignment kind of things, you know, a, a rogue's particular time to shine, which is as like, flanking dps kind of person doesn't really come up in this in the in the later part she starts out as a good kind of frontline fighter for a while yeah uh but uh, you know initially but eventually she her usefulness definitely falls to the wayside and yeah um so fort lock is being run by a bad lieutenant port of neverwinter Mm -hmm. um (laughs) and he uh 
he's saying like, hey, I'm having all these morale problems. Uh, you know, the old like, where's the old good lieutenant? Uh, <laughs> he went missing, but fuck it, I didn't, I didn't go save him. Right, I didn't go look. <laughs> right, him. we're not sending out patrols anymore. We're just gonna like run and just hunker uh, down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, and so you have to go like do his quest because he's not willing to sacrifice any of his men to go clear out either this bandit camp or this haunted graveyard, <laughs> which is like two of like the standard things. Like if you're in a D and D world, like kind of keep a lid on those. Yeah, yeah. This is very. These bandits end up having ultimately no importance. I, no, no. Again, when I when I talk about this game, like when I'm looking at it through the you know very kind lens. Uh, one of the things I do like about it, when you say this is like if you're doing a D&D campaign, stay away from those because they're standard. Yep. Like that's 100% what this is doing. Right. Yeah. Like it, it's establishing the village to give you your origin. It's establishing what it might be like to be kind of a standard adventurer before mm-hmm. it starts doing some of the subversive stuff. Yeah. I have such skepticism, though, for games where they're like, you know, the idea is put your your best foot at the end, you know, mm-hmm. start with, uh, you know, start with your shitty things and then eventually do your good things yeah. like no you should probably start with your strongest work right yeah you know? and you know it's 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 one of those things where like okay you can kind of put that in like it works in whatever um elder scrolls game it was where the first fighters guild thing was killing a bunch of rats in a basement like that's mm-hmm. funny as like self-effacing kind of humor but like for mm-hmm. this going to defeat a bandit camp feels a little bit like fan service but it's a thing that i don't know a fan actually really enjoys yeah yeah. yeah, it is. It is. It's it's trying to establish these tropes to subvert them and then ultimately spends a little bit too much time on, on the trope that they're going to subvert. Yeah. You know, th- this is just chronological real estate is a little bit much because it, it takes about half this game to really shine, start for the light, light to kind of start shining. Yeah. Um, so but this is, you know, it's kind of a, you know, going and doing these things is fine. You're practicing combat. You're fighting undead, which is good practice. Mm-hmm. But um, without a cleric or, you know, unless you're a paladin, anybody you can really like manage them in a real way. Yeah, you can't turn them. You just have to kind of chop through them. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. At some point here, like as you, you know, are coming back into the uh, into the sport, Fort Lock, um, Eleni reveals herself. She is this elven druid who has kind of been uh, watching you. Uh, she's not very upfront with how long she's been watching you, but she's been watching you since you were a kid, which is super creepy, um, given mm-hmm. how possessive she is of, uh, yeah. of of any other attention coming at you. Well, that um, part of that is code uh, that or dialogue that is left over from her being the only romance option if you're a male Uh-oh. Uh, character. So like she doesn't I mean, she doesn't like literally throw herself at you or there's, there's nothing too <laughs> gross. But I think that they needed to give her dialogue that will allow for her to be obsessive in a love way mm-hmm. uh, that makes it creepy if there's no nothing else. Even though I guess like you don't fall in love with somebody you've been watching since they were a kid. Like yeah. under no circumstances. Like if, if there's no situation in which you can change some like change somebody's diapers and then fall in love with them i'm sure there's i mean like that that's played for like humor and like parks and rec where like uh ron swanson's first wife was his first babysitter or something yeah. like that but like i don't think it actually happens yeah it's still it's still like you know and but that's not portrayed as a particularly good like relationship <laughs> yeah it's it, um, it, it is specifically played for villainy yeah yeah um but it, it is so i guess that is actually like a thousand times creepier than i thought unless you, your character <laughs> even if your character is playing an elf like you are that makes it even worse because uh-huh. it's like a a 300 year old elf versus like a 20 year old elf. <laughs> like that's really gross. I never, I never put that together, but yeah. Um, if, even if you're, so if you're not going to, you know, have a romance with her, um, I have a pretty mixed feelings, uh, with Eleni. Um, she, I think druids are boring. 
and I think that their their mythology and stuff tends to be pretty boring. Well, I mean, uh, they, they, they always come the from, a, from a circle that's going to be corrupted. Like, and that happens five times in this that's game. That's the best thing that could happen to a circle of druids. <laughs> right. Like, there's literally nothing else interesting that can happen, so that's why yeah. it keeps happening. Yeah. Um, you know, or they're going to fight some loggers or something. I don't know. Like, they, they, <laughs> they, the Greenpeace uh, D&D class was very frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing that I ended up liking about here is how the actual corruption articulates. Like the climax of her storyline with you, mm-hmm. uh, I think is kind of cool. Yeah. Um, but it takes a long time to to pay off. And I went on a lot of little side quests for her that I thought were actually kind of boring. Yeah. Um, but she's a healer and you like desperately need a healer, even though druids are bad healers. Right. Like, uh, like druids are heal healing, but support. Like yeah. it's basically like having a shaman in EverQuest like, or something like, like and, that. And attack. Like they can do, you know, they have more offensive spells mm-hmm. but they can't resurrect they can't like there's a lot of things they can't do yeah they'll they'll they'll, they'll summon a, a wood nymph or something for you and you can turn into a bear with her so she can be a frontline melee fighter mm-hmm. if you want and you can also spec her uh through traits so don't just do recommended for all of your companions no because one of the uh feats you can get for her allows her to have a dinosaur companion <laughs> so it's very easily and very early on can you be rolling around in this world with a velociraptor like walking around yeah yeah that by, by the transit funny to me like <laughs> by the transitive property of companions it, it's so good like you you know it's like you dwarf demon druid velociraptor <laughs> like walking around town and it's really good yeah uh so that's a good reason to, to keep her in your party at least long enough to see the raptor <laughs> Whenever you get to the raptor. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but at this point, you know, we've assembled this kind of, you know, what I like in a D&D style game where you assemble a, a party of misfits. You mm-hmm. know, the, the 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 dwarf who wants to be a monk. We have the uh, the obsessed druid who has left her circle and we have the uh, the tiefling tiefling who doesn't uh, who doesn't really fit in anywhere. You know, like, yeah, yeah, give me that. Like, I don't want anything that plays into into a stock standard thing that's going to fit in, you know? Yeah. And we're going to get some of that a little bit later yeah, that are yeah. become a little bit more standard, which is a bummer. But these first characters, like these are the kind of the characters that get the most development. And the they interact together very well, yeah. like we said. Yeah. yeah. Again, that's it's, it's Bioware. It's practice. You mm-hmm. know, I know they're different developers, but this is you can see the the Dragon Age seeds yes. being planted for the, this banter. So uh, you head to Highcliff, which is the small town on the kind of like a suburb of uh of neverwinter and you can't sail to neverwinter that's why you'd actually have to get there uh because uh ships keep getting sank mm-hmm. um and there's just, again one of these machinima cutscenes of like <laughs> just like the ship going <laughs> just, like, <laughs> just just tweening between okay we're gonna yaw it about 45 degrees and then down 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 down, down. <laughs> uh, and this is because lizard men keep uh which is a cool application of lizard men i, oh, I yeah. wouldn't have thought of you know good good dming here um <laughs> of them like swimming underwater and sabotaging the ships yeah and uh nobody in town can really handle it but you can talk to the mayor and uh and he says like they, they seem to be coming from this castle that's beyond uh this woman named chandra she's kind of an outcast yeah she's a farm um maybe like, she knows more everybody has like left their farm holds and come into the city because of this threat that she is she's kind of holding out yes yeah yep, yep. um and so you go talk to her and it's kind of like oh um do you want to come with us because you kind of seem like you're you're capable of of holding on to uh, uh, holding on to a sword um and i said that kind of weird sorry um but uh but you're also like yeah like aren't you interested in stopping this and then this is the most hilarious scene in the game because as uh-huh. she is talking to you you see these lizards uh these lizard men walking very leisurely behind her yeah like it, it's important that there's two of them walking single file and the lizard man posture in this 
this game. They look like um, they're like the the bad frat sneaking to do a penny raid. (laughs) 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 Come on, nerdlinger. (laughs) You told me that this lockpick would work. We're going to get some bras, you know? (laughs) (laughs) They they pass beyond beyond the frame of the camera, and then the bar sets up. Yeah, the the barn immediately sets entirely aflame, and there's nothing your character like your character just kind of watches it, and they all have oh, these yeah. blank expressions on yeah, their no, face. Yeah, nobody's reacting to anything. And then you can you can be like, um, uh, behind you, like it's, it's really goofy. I mean, it's played for comedy, but like the comedy that comes through is well, not what they intended. Until like there's a meta comedy to this situation of Chandra that actually does like I got genuine laughs from the game trying to be funny later. Oh yeah, because she like underlines this like this all the time, like all the terrible things that keep happening to her. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And and how this keeps like how your your life works it ends up being kind of funny. Um, but at first <laughs> it is just like I'm just like no you know trying to explain myself. I'm like no, the game made me do it. Like I would have shot one of those lizard men. <laughs> um, so, <laughs> but then she goes to put it out, and like you just see water coming out of her. It looks like she pisses the flame out. It's really weird. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's a really amazing cutscene. It is worth. Uh, I'll put it in the, the show notes. Yeah, um, I hope you can find it. <laughs> yeah, if, if I can find it, it'll go in the show notes. Um, it's very very good. Yeah, but she she very rightfully, uh, you know, in kind of subverting adventure, it's like fuck you. Like, <laughs> you came here yeah. and this happens. You distracted me. I was keeping watch until you asked yeah. me to help. <laughs> until you you wouldn't you can't until you exhausted my dialogue to me. Like <laughs> get away from me. And so she's like fine fine fine. Um. You you st- you know track them to the, to a cave uh, where they're at, and out front, uh, Slon, uh, <laughs> a lizard man, is fighting. Uh, who is he fighting? It's like Bladeling um, kind of people who yeah, are coming at him for the yeah yeah who are, who are coming for Large Shard yeah. <laughs> and the uh, you can save him and make a diplomacy check and recruit him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, hey, th- these guys have my lizard man. Like these guys have uh, my companions. Help me, you know, with them if you have any honor. And it's like, oh, these things are sentient and and not automatically monsters. Yeah. Yeah, which is which is good, you know. Mm-hmm. So you go in there, and the like the the lizard men are kind of like held in a prison cell in their own kind of lair as you uh, kind of fight some of the githyanki slash githyanki as how mm-hmm. they say it, like they're from Michigan. Um, <laughs> um, as you uh, as you kind of go through this, it's kind of cool. It's like uh, in the basement of this uh, of this kind of uh, ruined keep that used to be mm-hmm. the 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 high hold of uh, Highcliff. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so you, you can just kind of never win a night to combat, uh, make your way through <laughs> here. Um, eventually, you can get a meeting with Slon's leader. Yeah, uh, here, like you can say, like, "Hey, I saved you. You know, I just want to talk to your boss." Um, you talk to the tribal leader, and if you pass like a, a kind of tough check, you can make peace with the right. village. Yeah. Um, their whole point is like, "Hey, uh, you know, this is our area. It was our area before then. You know, and and our point, you know, you're." counter offer is hey stop sinking fucking ships man like (laughs) like just you guys are happy in these you know these caves (laughs) hang out in these caves that you're used to and the uh so you 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 can make peace if you don't pass this check this can be a fight yep uh, which has ramifications uh later yeah so um but you can get on this there's a couple side quests uh in this town some of which are really uh like rolling in a callies out when they're they're interesting right Um, right there's the uh, the husband I think that one's actually that's pretty good. Yeah. yeah. Um, because uh, so there's one that's kind of bullshit where a guy just says like there's some mo- there's monsters in my house and you you go you take care of the spiders and his own up, and then the uh, the husband one though <laughs> this woman's like my husband's missing, um, and you're like oh well you know maybe he's attacked or anything, uh, you find him 
and he's just running away. Like he's he's camping. He's like, yeah, I, I hate my kids. I hate my wife. Like I hate this life. Hair's always up in curlers, wave, yeah, waving yeah. the rolling pin at me. Yeah. Well, I, I, I got the sense it was more about kids. Like, right, you know, right, he's right. like, I, I don't want to have kids. Like, this is too much responsibility, which is a shitty thing to do. Right. Um, and But it's kind of a hard check to convince him to do the right thing. And he logics you and he's like, you can go tell her you, you, if you try to strong arm him, arm him, you say like, hey, you have a responsibility. Mm-hmm. If it fails, you can say like, well, I'm going to go tell her. And he's like, yeah, I'm going to leave as soon as you leave. <laughs> you know, like you have no power over me. Like, are you going to kill me for this? Like, <laughs> it is a weird kind of subversion of like quest structures, you know, right, right. Like I don't actually have to do what you say. You're just some rando, <laughs> you know, why would I do this? Uh, and it, and it doesn't work out. Like for me, at least it didn't, mm-hmm. you know, I went and told her, she was like, Oh, I'll go get him. And I'm like, yeah, he said he, he's going to leave and he doesn't want to see you anymore. And she's like, well, I'll find him. And then, you know, that was it. Yeah. Yeah. Like it just, he, you can't fix the deadbeat dad. Right. In, in situation. Um, I convinced him to go back and I was like, I, I think what it ultimately came down to is like, are you going to, you know, tell her what happens. Or are you going to lie for me? You know, because yeah. we we can make up this story because I convinced him like, ah, you know, you, you have kids, man. And, yeah. you know, at least for a little bit, be there to make sure nothing bad happens. Um, And, you know, I, I eventually convinced him because I was like, listen, it happens to everybody. Like you get cold feet seven years in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like the the seven year cold feet. Well, I forgot that the first thing you said where you're talking about lying uh, for you is that he says like, "Hey, I'm gonna I'll give you 200 gold just to say that I'm dead." Right, right. Like there's there's a surprising amount of like complexity to this this quest mm-hmm. here. Um, but in kind of a bummer way, um, and this is you know some bad DMing, uh, is that it all comes down to a check. Right, right. You know, so like if you're at the tabletop, a good DM, if you made an impassioned plea, like that would substitute for a check. Mm-hmm. But uh, here it, it all comes down to a check. And that gets down to one of my big problems with going through, you know, 55 hours of this, which is, man, nothing is a substitute for a good DM. Yeah, this is <laughs> this is very much uh, like your high school buddy who's first like running a running a published module mm-hmm. and running you through it. And some of that flavor is very nostalgic for me, mm-hmm. uh, but it's in Same. it's not, you know, objectively good. Yeah. Um, so you, you you've made peace with the, uh, the lizard man, and this allows you to get on a ship and uh, and head to Neverwinter. On our way to Neverwinter, uh, there's a cutscene again, one of these uh, angel quiz level things. Uh, where this uh, Githyanki is talking to a disembodied vo- uh, voice, this uh, Zieri. Uh, she wants the shards. This is like a Githyanki, uh, like Lich, Liches, I think is what they call her. Later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Liches. <laughs> um, but yeah, everyone wants these shards. Lichen. Lichen? Lichen? Mm, lichen. Yep. Ar- Ar- Arch Lichen? Um, <laughs> Demi Lichen? <laughs> like really good. Uh, so you make it to uh, to Neverwinter. Um, they do. So the way that they partition Neverwinter out in this game, I kind of like mm-hmm. where they can kind of confine you to zones initially. Right, so you're right. not just like, I'm in the biggest city in the world, even though the city is not actually that big. No, no. There's um, like there's like 50 people here. Yeah. yeah Most of which don't the, have a name. It's very abstract, like very abstracted. It's abstracted in a way that I don't, you know, that feels very like Final Fantasy to me. Yeah, um, but which I'm, is fine. I'm fine you know, with but it. It's, yeah. it's, yeah. it's it's for it's a just, reason. I just I would I'm ex- I expect a more bustling kind of kind of city from from D and D games generally. Mm-hmm. Um, you start at the docks. That's where your uncle's bar is, and uh, and you meet your uncle. 
Uncle Duncan. Yep. Uh, <laughs> and Duncan is, again, kind of a weirdo. He's slightly less weird than Dagan. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he's kind of a weirdo. And he doesn't want to tell you things that Dagan didn't. So you can kind of press him and you'd be like, hey, how come I never met my mother? What's up with these shards? <laughs> yep. um, and, and Why he, does my chest hurt so much? <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> you know, uh, and he doesn't uh, he doesn't fall for it. No. Um, but he <laughs> knows that there's a guy named uh, Sand who might know more about it. Yep. <laughs> uh, Sand, who is, to, at least to me, very clearly voiced by the guy who voices Wacko from Animaniacs. <laughs> he looks like Elrond. Yep, he does. From, uh, yeah, he looks just like it's like. Yeah, oh, this is like, exactly Elrond. Yep, he's a he's a real Mister Smith looking motherfucker. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's like, ah, yes, the shards. Ah, <laughs> yeah, yep, yep. Uh, and he's. I mean, Sand Sand has weirdly enough, like looking online, like Sand has a real fan base. Yeah, um, I, I noticed that too. Just, <laughs> he just like Sand. He's so fucking cool. <laughs> <laughs> What are you talking about? <laughs> but he's like, you know, so so you you learn his his backstory as you go along. He's a former Luskin who kind of sought refuge in Neverwinter and set up a set up a humble magic shop on the docks in order to kind of be below reproach. Right? Yes. Yeah. Um so he uh he doesn't have, you know, that much to add at this point. Um is this where they introduce the you know the person you so you need to get this is where they tell you what you need to do which is get into uh, the noble district. Yeah, yeah, just kind of like oh, like there are a bunch of nobles um like specifically Aldenon in uh in in the uh, the Black Lake district um who will you know, who might know about this stuff because they, you know, they all were around in this war. Um yes. you know back then with uh, with these magical forces that may have like left this mark on this city and also where you grew up. Right. Yes. Um, and Sand also kind of uh, um, establishes this reason. Like he looks at them and does his little magical examination and notices that the his shard, which didn't react to anything, didn't do anything, is now acting up now that it's around you or around the, yes. the, the player character. Yeah. Yes. So uh, you you are you are the the Kalakcha. <sighs> yeah, that, that word isn't used, but you're the shard bearer. Right. Um, so <laughs> so that's kind of your destiny, and this kind of beginning that's of this kind of your destiny. <laughs> it's it's kind of your destiny. Um, the beginning of this is just going to be focused on going through a lot of hoops to get into this noble oh, district. Jesus. We're yeah. still we're still in the low adventuring section of the uh, the game, which is kind of a bummer. Yeah. Uh, um, you step out and you meet Quora, who is uh, your first real like wizard caster kind of person um, mm -hmm. who's feuding with her classmates. Uh, she is yes. a sorcerer, whereas they are wizards. Um, you know, she operates mostly on instinct and is kind of a um, an amoral pyromaniac, whereas they are picking on her for being not good at her studies. Yes. And she is uh, really arrogant and uh, insulting mm -hmm. uh, to everyone around her um, is kind of her personality like kind of kind of quirky like in a kind of a buffy way but also she's like, she's like snarky arrogant yeah, uh, yeah but also amoral in like a real serious way right um is kind of her her thing like she really wants power mm -hmm. she really respects uh power um she is is like devastating mechanically oh yeah because uh, she's in a uh, a sorcerer and she gets um if you just leave her to her, her to her own she gets feats that like increase her ability with evocation yeah. uh, evocation is the school of magic that deals with, like fireballs and shit like making things appear yeah. you know and uh like energy manipulation mm -hmm. um so she can be really really great at that yeah um since i was a sorcerer i didn't have space for her in my party really right um so i didn't do a lot of things with her i read about her quest today uh but i didn't actually do it yeah i didn't do her quest so. either like i brought her on as like if i knew that i was going into a place where i just needed people to not like live extra anymore. Fireballs. Yeah, yeah 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 
Um, her quest, just real quick to get out of the way. So some of your companions do have side quests. Uh, we mentioned before Kelgar turning into a monk. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to talk about Nishka's side quest in a second. Kara's um, is about her relations with this uh, this mage school mm -hmm. and a grudge with uh, one of the the leaders of that that mage school who ultimately, uh, you know, because of something in their past, uh, the details escape me, but ultimately that leader will make a deal with the Luskins to sick this kind of uh, creature on you. Oh, wow. That will hound you when you have Quara in your party, mm. which is kind of cool. Yep. Um, you know, uh, but I just, I, again, she just didn't mechanically have a place for me. Like, I don't even think she's a terrible character, but I just didn't have a, mm. have a spot for her. No, I like her character, especially, yeah. you know, as, as somebody, you know, they, they do a good job in this game of giving you people from across the alignment spectrum. Very, very specifically. Yeah. Like they, they do that. Like you, um, you know, it's not like, uh, it kind of throws out the previous Baldur's Gate thing of like, you're making choices when you choose an alignment for your party mm -hmm. and Baldur's Gate leans into that, uh, the dissonance that comes with that here everyone has a common goal so you have a mixed alignment party almost by you know you're likely to yeah uh by definition but it doesn't mean they'll necessarily get along and they won't like everything that you do uh and then the, there's a big payoff for that as well we'll get to yeah um so that you can see them kind of uh setting the seeds to make that payoff more dramatic by giving you this mixed alignment you know it's very hard to have people in your party who will agree with everything you do mm -hmm. they want you to lose disposition with some party members so they can make this ending more dramatic right um, and so it's actually pretty elegant and cool, I think. Yeah. Um, Nishka is introduced here where we run into some thugs uh, that <laughs> yep. give her some shit. And, we're, uh, we're back on her old stomping grounds and she's made yep. enemies. Yep. Um, so her side quest, and this actually, we can kind of get it out of the way. It plays out over the course of a couple, you know, it plays into the next act as well. Yeah. yeah. But essentially deals with this old crime, uh, her old partner right. uh, who backstabbed her and she wants to get back at him. Yeah. Or she, she backstabs him. <laughs> Like, right. like she, she's not good at this no, point. No, no. And uh, it's kind of, uh, you know, the first thing you do is kind of quaint. Like you go into his place and steal his lucky coin. <laughs> yep, it's um, real petty. <laughs> yeah, uh, which is a, a luck amulet. Like it's worth having because it's, yeah. it's a good magical item. Um, but then uh, ultimately the stakes keep rising for that until eventually uh, there's a, a character known as the Collector mm -hmm. who you run into. Um, and uh, it's kind of the ultimate crime to get his stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. You head there. You infiltrate his mansion. It's kind of cool. There's some good puzzles and stuff. Yeah. Um, in that section, it's not mostly fighting, um, but you infiltrate his mansion and then he shows up to claim the treasure at the same time and you kill him. <laughs> and that's kind of the end of Mishka's uh, quest line. Yeah. I will always be down for thievey type stuff like oh, that, yeah. that. That is that is generally good in fantasy settings. I think so, too. Yeah. Um, there is kind of a, a you know, you do get uh, mechanical benefit benefit benefits, bonuses and benefits were the two words I was trying to combine yeah. there for some reason. Yeah, bonuses. Uh, yeah. Genesis, uh, as you uh, increase disposition with your party members, so they get yeah. stat boost. Mm -hmm. um, so it it is within your advantage, you know, your best interest to make your friends like you in this. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's just thing, you know, things that show up as you kind of walk around these docks and around the merchants uh, kind of kind of area. Um, you, eventually, you kind of find out that there are these assassinations that are happening amongst the nobles in Neverwinter, and that's why the Blacklight District, where you're headed, is you know kind of locked off. And we get some cutscenes with uh, Lord Garius, kind of our first inclination of you know this non-Gith kind of threat, talking about these allies coming on a ship from Luskin. So Luskin is going to be a very uh, a very present threat at the end of this chapter and into about midway through the next one too. Yeah, and they're they're in the mix. Yeah. Um, so to get in there and get into the, the, the blacklight district, you can either become, you know, high enough rank in the city watch because the city watch can go anywhere 
or the Thieves Guild probably know a way to do it. I'm glad you chose the Thieves Guild because I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, what was and, your uh, your alignment when you went through this? Uh, chaotic good. Okay. I, I went with my with the classic uh, what my alignment would be like in real life. Oh so. yeah, yeah. Um, I would have been neutral good, but I wanted to be a uh, um, a uh, wizard of Thay. So I mm-hmm. went with chaotic neutral, so I could set up my character for that. Um, and so I'm one of the thieves. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I, I so the just real quick, like what characters are going through this with. Um, so as the alignment, um, I went sorcerer, and I went uh, favoring working towards the prestige class of the uh, arcane scholar of Candlekeep. Mm. Um, and their concept uh, is uh, meta magic, is is their thing, and they get a couple of. Yeah, exclusive meta magic feats. Uh, there's like an improved empower spell, oh nice, and improved maximize spell, which make it take. Uh, so maximize spell only takes two units above, and improved only takes one unit above. Hmm. Which means that like by the end of the game, it was very easy for me to shoot you know eight maximum fireballs. Oh nice. You know, like it was, I was, I was like on a rest, or like it was pretty ridiculous. Like maximized uh, greater missile storm did my level times. 12 damage or something like <laughs> that like if i could do it to a single target it was yeah. really really good so to be more powerful than like a meteor storm it was yeah yeah and that's in <laughs> meteor storms like once you eventually unlock that those things stack and mm-hmm. if you don't have friendly fire on that is a that is a big crowd control thing but yeah. it, you know it became very very powerful so that's what uh she was kind of uh specced into and your your name is better so i'll say mine first but you can you can tell <laughs> us about your character which had a better name so i just <laughs> I just hit random, and the first thing that popped up was Chandra Steel, and I'm like, "Yep, yep, I'll be, I'll be Chandra Steel." <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, so I rolled wizard, uh, and I wanted to kind of play into a specialist uh, and evocation. Eventually, I wanted to do uh, transmutation just because I like buffing, but for expedience' sake, um, mm-hmm. evocation is more more suited for combat and the situations they're gonna, that they're going to put you into. Mm-hmm. Um, and red red wizards are kind of really leaning into specialization, like they eventually lose. And you know, lose out on whatever their opposite um, kind of kind of uh, school is, right? Um, and I didn't end up uh, specializing in that either because of a glitch or because of the way red red wizards work. It's one of those classes that was introduced with uh, with uh, Mask of the Betrayer. My character's name, uh, a, a human dude, uh, because non humans can't be red wizards of Thay. Um, <laughs> uh, I used my regular kind of character uh, arsenic, uh, mm-hmm. a r s o n y k. You know, just a mm-hmm. name I thought of for a WoW character. And I randomized the last name, and the first thing I pulled up was Shart. That's good. <laughs> like, Arsenic Shart is really good. That's dark. <laughs> like... I have no idea which, why Shart was a randomization. <laughs> but I was like, it must be fate. So. Yeah. <laughs> It's like it is like a spell. Like if you put like a name in front of it, like Odalix Arsenic Shart. <laughs> uh, yep. So, uh, yeah, I was very happy with that, and I shared a couple of screenshots of that popping up. It's it's it's, it's real good. Mm-hmm. It is a it is a very good uh, <laughs> a very a very good name. Yep. Um, um so what happens in the city watch because i'm kind of curious like this is a, a small point of divergence for any character who goes in you you know you pick whichever one sounds the best to you um uh i just i just want to know if these kind of like line up with what they're asking uh, you to do they do for the large part and it's actually like the way they they uh divert is actually kind of interesting like the um so 
the whole idea is that there's this crime lord in the docks that is uh, corrupting the watch. Right. You know, um, of course, I'd say that as a watch lackey. Well, I mean, uh, but, I, and I would yeah. say that as somebody who is trying to corrupt the watch. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> a spade's a spade. The, um, but the, there's, you know, someone trying to corrupt the watch. So early on, um, you kind of go through these patrols and you're checking in with people on the watch and on the lookout for corruption. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this, the way it articulates is that uh, it is not black and white. Like there are people who are just muscle, mustache twirling monsters, mm-hmm. you know, who are corrupt and just like, ah, let's squeeze this town for all we can get. You know, and then there are also people who are just like, yeah, the watch doesn't pay enough. And I have like six kids. Right. Like it's it's either this, you know, there's some paper papers, please stuff going on uh, there. Or there are people who are just like, yeah, if you know, if I let these people go through who I know are smuggling something, uh, you know, they're not going to murder these other people to get the thing that they need. Mm-hmm. You know, so there, there's a lot of like gray area here and it's actually kind of good. Yeah. Um, but, you know, starts off with that. Uh, mostly it's dealing with those things and then sometimes going and like actually, you know fighting a crime boss yeah but mostly it's weird because like the ultimate payoff for the for, for the thief side of it is the you know very very similar like you go around there's a quest where you go to all the watchmen on the docks and say like hey can i tempt you to look the other way while this stuff happens you know like mm-hmm. like the, the, the there is that gray that gray aspect to it and there's one kind of big combat quest where you're um kind of going through the back alleys and then trying to defend your uh your weapon caches um mm-hmm. from the from the watch people but like no matter what if you end up siding you know like like doing these quests like you owe a debt to the thieves guild and mm-hmm. like just it, it ends up being a very bad thing like up to the very the very final like ending slideshow oh that's interesting yeah yeah the um yeah the, i mean and i did those things too like i i had to go get that weapons cache <laughs> thing like it was being attacked and like i had to make my way there as it kind of moved through the questing is actually some of the quests here are kind of interesting the problem with this is that we're kind of running over this in, in you know, five minutes, and it is a lot of actual game time. It, it really is. That's going to happen a lot in this because this game is in love with, like, list quests. Yes. Go do the three things. Go, you know, do the three trials. Go things like that, you know. Uh, and just to get into this room, it's very frustrating, or to get into the sector of the city, it's been, it was kind of frustrating. Uh, there's a distance of just being like, I'm literally just doing this so I have the rank to walk wherever I want. Why can't I find somebody and explain the situation? Like surely <laughs> yeah. there's a way that like this could be, you know, or why can't I bribe them? Mm-hmm. You know, because, uh, well, you can offer this, like, you can try and bribe people, yeah. but they won't take it. Yeah. They, they, you know, the people who actually can do this are, are too stalwart for that. Yeah. Um, real quick, just because I want to get to it at some point, mm-hmm. um, we can do a side path and talk a little bit about the economy of this game. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> how, how money works and stuff, because it's, inter- it's, it's weird. Um, so uh, the prices of things vary wildly. Um, and you can't do the thing where like, oh, I'm never going to buy. I mean, you can say I'm never going to buy anything because I'm going to find everything that's good. Right. Um, you can do that. Uh, I wouldn't recommend it because one of the big, biggest advantages of this game, one of the worst things about Neverwinter Nights 1 was me and Derek would play it. We'd go to a dungeon. We have tons of treasure. We wouldn't have access to a new merchant and we couldn't buy anything that was worth owning. Right. So it re- kind of fucked up that reward loop. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this game does a much better job of that yep. to where there are things to like save up for. Like this is, this is a sword that costs 250,000 gold, mm-hmm. but it has this cool effect that seems worth it. And I can work towards this goal. Yeah. Um, there's also a greater variety of merchants. Like in the docks, there are three, uh, two of them that are labeled on the map. One of them that's hidden. Uh, two of them are hidden. Um, and one of which, uh, if you have a feat that came with preordering the game called blessed of Joaquin, um, <laughs> which you can, uh, I mean, you, you can console in. in, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, you get a lot of kind of weird, interesting items hmm. that are, are related to prestige classes. So there's one signature item for each prestige class. Oh, that's so weird and because if you're in the merchant quarter, you can talk to the deacon and he has most of the stuff that has uh, uh, is related to prestige classes. He has some of the stuff, yeah. but there's a bunch of other stuff that's hidden behind, like kept behind this bonus feat. Oh, weird. Um, so there's there's a lot, there's more merchants than there were before. And I think that part's actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. The weird thing about how uh, the economy works in here in as it relates to the kind of quest loop or the gameplay loop um, is the uh, the same thing that is with Oblivion, where like you're deciding what to take and what not to take. Mm -hmm. Like the weight management stuff got really tedious to me. Yeah, well, because you you know you're you're dealing with the with your individual character's weight limits, but also yes. your entire party. So like I will be playing my character. I'll go up and see there's a suit of armor on here, and I will have to individually like walk away from that, select Kelgar, go up and yes. pick it up. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's pretty frustrating. Yeah. But what I would say and the other thing, too, is that there is a hidden incentive to save money. Oh, yeah. Uh, that in the third act, which you don't uh, or second act, which you have no uh, no idea is coming. So, right. like, you know, I was pretty liberal with money because I saw things I wanted. And it's like, yes, this is 20,000 gold, but a natural armor plus two amulets better than a natural armor plus one amulet. Why mm -hmm. wouldn't I get this for all my party members? Yeah. You know, and it served me well ultimately in the long run. But there's a point in which I felt like I really fucked myself over. Yeah, I guess if, if you know, there's any prescriptiveness to this, it's you, you can go either way. Mm -hmm. You'll get a like kind of a quick advantage in you know the the keep, which is what we're talking about. If you save your money, otherwise you can you can kind of make up that advantage with enough time. Yeah, like the like the the real thing here is the keep. You have unlimited time to build up. Yeah, know, yeah, as opposed to you know the early advantage you would get by spending that money. But um, you well, know. It, it, it's good. <laughs> Go well, you have unlimited time to build up, but enemies don't spawn. So mm -hmm. there is a finite amount of treasure in this world. Yeah. Like you don't have unlimited money, mm -hmm. you know? So you would just have to wait for, uh, wait for ties to come in and stuff. Like yeah. there's a, the, the, there's something that, you know, in any other game would have been a money sink later on. But the problem is money sinks imply that there's no use for that money beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> right. So like you can, you, you can be rolling deep like a baller because of your gold you know, in this first act, but then you're left with kind of stunted growth in your keep later on. Yeah. Yeah. But which will ultimately be fine. Yep. But it is, it is kind of an interesting choice. You don't, but it's, I mean, it's not an interesting choice. It's a choice you don't know you're making. Right. Yeah. Um, but just, you know, you can, you can spend money and there's cool things to spend money on. Mm -hmm. um, this game does a much better job than the previous one. Uh, it has kind of like Baldur's Gate level, like cool short stories associated with equipment. Mm -hmm. So all of the, the equipment descriptions, like, Items tend to do interesting things. Yep. Um, you know, it's not plus 0.3 frost damage plus 0 0.001 criticals, you know. <laughs> they do interesting things, uh, yeah. usually affecting a status uh, on hit yep. um, or casting a spell on hit, things like that. Um, and they have cool little backstories behind them. Yep. And the fun thing is you can just read those from the merchant, um, like, for, like yeah. from that menu. So you don't have to buy that stuff to get those story bits. Yeah. Yeah. You can kind of look through them. And, and that, that was uh, that's such a huge thing to me is like, equipment that's fun to own yeah it's such a thing that was given up when with the move to dragon age mm -hmm. like this stuff is actually pretty cool like you know having like grawlnoth's claw or whatever yeah uh as opposed to just like a <laughs> a weapon that just gives me a, a minor statistical bonus and there was something about grawlnoth's priorities that made that weapon yes. something that specifically like that would come from grawlnoth. Yeah. yeah yeah or or puts things to sleep yeah you know, like some of this stuff is really uh, we didn't I didn't talk about this either. But um, early on, um, you know, you're pretty underpowered as a caster in this. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, sleep is so incredible because it oh, has yeah. this game has coup de gras rules, which <laughs> uh, means if something is sleeping, you can kill it in one hit, which it doesn't always carry over to every edition of D and D. Right. And there is a uh, a weapon you can get that makes the enemy do. It's a pretty easy. It's like a difficulty check fourteen uh, test versus sleep when you hit them. But if it works, the next hit they die. So what it, it, it pretty much changes your crit range to being like <laughs> to being anything 14 above plus. a fourteen. Yeah, it's, it's pretty bonkers. Um, yeah. Like that, that's a really really great weapon. Like so, there's cool stuff to be found here, and the variety of merchants and everything is very satisfying to me. Yeah, uh, and made that treasure loop really good with a couple of minor irritations. Yeah, um, Just, this yeah. is a good time to talk about it because there's four merchants here for sure. Between those. Uh, also, Deacon is an NPC from at least the Shadows of Undertide, if not the uh, the Hordes of the Underdark. Like, he's a, he is a kobold um, kind of bard who would have adventured with you before. You can try and convince him, but eventually he just becomes a fixture at your keep later on. Yes. Yeah, and, and a very sweet get into kind of thing that happens. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, I, I mean, like, with a bunch of folks. Like, at, you know, we'll talk about yes. it when we get there, but I love yeah, the keep. That'll be an nice episode. Me too. I like it. I think it's great. <laughs> Um, so essentially, you're just doing a lot of quests for whichever one of these factions you're doing to kind of rise in the ranks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Eventually, regardless of which, uh, you will be sent to uh, Old Owl Well. Yes. Um, so I was, uh, you know, they, the watch just sent me here. It sounds like it kind of did the lazy thing and makes you a spy for the watch. <laughs> yep. So the, the watch you... sends you as well. <laughs> yep. Well, no, you're a spy for the Thieves' Guild. Like, oh, there's something going on over there. Why don't you go talk to our informant who is in the watch? Wink, wink, and see yeah. what's going on. <laughs> Um, so you get to get head, o- head over there. Uh, on your way here, um, you're introduced to Grobnar the Bard. Uh, Grobnar Gnome Hands. Yeah, let's. I gotta camp out on this guy for a second. He sucks. Um, like, like, is there anything yeah, to camp out on? <laughs> well, the, just in the way he sucks. Like, how, yeah. like, there are some kind of funny jokes that happen with him. Well, yeah. Like, um, we, like we, I had high hopes because he starts telling you a story and it lasts until the next day. Yeah, which, <laughs> which I, is pretty funny. Like, there's. There's some winking, like, hey, this guy is annoying. The issue is, though, again, this would be great in text, but they, there's this AV element, and his voice actor is intolerable. <laughs> like, you actually have to hear him go, ah, like, his, his really excitable, like, kind yeah. of squeaky voice. It's... And if it if it's just text, it would have been, like, this would be a great character. He'd be very, like, he'd mm-hmm. be very funny, but yeah. as is, like, I can't listen to him. <laughs> And and also this th- this is like listening to anybody who would play like the ultra goofy gnome kind of kind of character not 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 just a gnome but like oh, I'm going to be the comic relief oh, uh, sure. all the all the adventures that I've gone on it's like a Kender halfling kind of thing yeah you know? like and, I, I'm the I'm the cosmic fool and I'm here to you know break all the cosmic rules yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and also his animations he's always playing an invisible flute and I just kind of want to yeah. rip his hands off. <laughs> He's just sucking an invisible dick. (laughs) I never understood that because you you play a flute from the side and people always talk about like a skin flute or something. Yeah, I I think you play a dick from the end. I think that that is that's a perpendicular, not parallel kind of thing. Why do you think they call it perpendicular? Like it's it's there's a lot of different like ways you can do it, dude. um... (laughs) I'm not here to be prescriptive. Okay, I'm not I'm not going to yuck any yums. All right, it's a. But uh, he he is literally the worst, and uh, <laughs> bards are kind of good in this too. Like, it, yeah, like he this guy could have had a place in my party if I could stand listening to him. <laughs> also, when we get to the next episode, uh, he single handedly saved me in the last last boss fight in a way that embarrasses me. Like, it's like the only reason why I won is because of Grobnar gnome hands. <laughs> it's gonna like the end of Mask of the Betrayer is gonna be my character killing herself for that, regardless of what the actual ending is. So. 
that's the yeah. way this ends. Like she's yeah. like like walking to get coffee one day, and then just like, wait a minute, oh no, oh, yeah. oh no, I, oh I no. owe my life to Krabnar. <laughs> and she just no jumps man. into a sewer. <laughs> yeah. Like, yep. Uh, excuse me. Do you guys have like a pen knife? I have an envelope to open. <laughs> I have a skin envelope to open. Like, <laughs> yeah. Anywho, so you run into him, um, and he's like he's like a guide. Uh, yeah, the way this game, yeah. the game likes to kind of force a temporary character on you, um, and by by way of a guide a lot of the time, mm-hmm. like he knows how to get through here. Yeah, and like they'll they'll put him in. Thankfully, like usually before they introduce somebody permanently, they'll do like a Final Fantasy twelve thing where they just add them yes. as a as a fifth character. Yeah, yeah. not always, but uh, sometimes they will. Like yep. you can have a bonus character. Um, <laughs> essentially, you're dealing with the, this whole area with Old Owl Well, which is uh, this uh, kind of like a pass. Um, you know, a strategically important pass that is uh, held by this dwarf commander mm-hmm. and all his people. And they're being harried. Callum is uh, his Callum, name. yes. Yep. Uh, and they're being harried by uh, orcs. Yes, the eye gouger um, and bone nasher clans. Yeah. And there's a thing where, like, the the orcs are being slaughtered, too. Like, they're coming across dead orcs, and they're like, what is, what is this? But there's somebody up in the hills hunting orcs. Mm-hmm. We, don't, uh, we don't know who they are. Uh, right. So you're kind of going to these just dungeons, you know, to fight these different orcs. Um, there's a lot of like orc politics going on here, which is kind of strange. To yeah, me. I just kind of glossed over that. <laughs> well, it's not. It's not very. It's not very interesting, right? You know, like the orcs are. They are like less interesting lizard men, weirdly mm-hmm. enough. Like ultimately, you can run into some that are kind of noble savages, but like, you know, they're they're pretty annoying. Um, eventually, you meet another companion here, Casavir. Uh, yes. Uh, who is a? Oh, you know, the reason why you're coming here is because there is a uh, diplomat from Luskin, right? Ah, shit. Who yeah, is kind of heading go. over? Yes, that's that's what it is, and he's kidnapped. So that's the reason mm-hmm. why we're checking out the, the yeah. problem, right? Um, Sorry, I, I forgot to take a note of that. I did. I, I thought we were just doing one episode and we we're going to gloss over a bunch of this, so I didn't start taking in like notes until halfway through chapter two. <laughs> no, no, no worries. Like it, it doesn't doesn't ultimately matter. I'm just refreshing right. my own memory as we, we talk yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah. Um, because because the the diplomat I think was with Casavir's party. Oh, and yeah, that's why yeah. maybe that's why Casavir went uh went to hunting. Well, uh, um, and also people people thought that he was the uh, the Kalak Cha because everybody was you know saying like oh the Kalak Cha is coming, um, but yeah. no that 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 isn't him. Like he's yeah. he is just there because he is way too good and pure for uh, for Neverwinter's forces. So he's taking uh, taking things into his own hands. God, I hate Casavir. He ended up being in my party. Like I needed oh, yeah. two frontline fighters. Yeah. Oh, like, I, I, I could totally wanted... see that. Um, but I yeah. liked Kelgar better because well, he had a little bit more, uh, little, little bit more weirdness oh, to him. Kelgar's yeah. way better. I just I wanted two. Yeah. Like I ended up going with healer, mage, two fighters. Like I mm-hmm. went Final Fantasy one style. Yeah. Um, the Casavir uh, is the only male uh, romance option for lady characters. Mm-hmm. The romance scene with them is fucking incredible. Like I'll, <laughs> I'll have to see if I can find that as well. <laughs> Please it's do. So funny. It's it's very good. He's like. He he's he acts like data, like they, they don't they don't know how to make a paladin not be like a robot. So he's just like these feelings. I feel honor for you. I, I mean, internal conflict, you, but I must protect everyone. But you more so. I do not understand. Like it's internal conflict is a it is a concept that is alien to most paladins. It, it is really, really good, uh, and the scene in which you ultimately end up having like sex, like the fade to black scene, which isn't yeah. doesn't happen in a bedroom, which would be amazing, but it happens you know up on the ramparts during one of the final battles, and, and it's just like we're you know you're like oh, we're tired, Casavir, let's go to bed, and he's like, ah, my lady leads and I follow, or something. Like that. It's like, Jesus Christ, <laughs> get out of here, Casavir! Like, 
but yeah, he's he's very very rough. Yeah, he's very generic and shitty. Yeah, and, and like if he if if he's your only paladin, he's the only person who can get like the holy avenger. Like they're just you know kind of along with regular D anD D, there are a ton of super special weapons that can only be wield, wielded by paladins, and like yeah. he can be just an incredible force against most of the demonic enemies or undead enemies that you're fighting. I just I had no time for him at all. Yeah. He's a really obnoxious character. Like he's not no man's bad. So like that is why I was fine. <laughs> I mean, he's not Gary, if that's where you draw on the line. I mean, think about what you're letting in. Yeah. No, no Have man's some standards. Enough. Welcome. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so, so you're essentially, you know, you're, you're, you're navigating the, the kind of, uh, the politics of these orc clans and mostly killing a lot of orcs. Yeah. Um, you can run into some of Calgar's old clan here, uh, the iron fist, yeah, um, yeah, you can actually do this here. It doesn't. It's a random encounter that I think can happen here, not just uh, later. Yeah, um, and you you help them reclaim their keep uh, from some bugbears. Yep. Uh, bugbears are still shitty. <laughs> and uh, this is the first of Kelgar's trial, and you learn a little bit about his backstory. Uh, he was, you know, uh, he liked to say that he just kind of left on his own, but he was like shunned for this. Right, right. It was not a you know a, a harmonious parting. No. No, and it's it's a little bit too clean how he resolves his stuff, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, like this this can be you know it, satis- it satisfies one of the uh, one of the trials. Like you can go to the Temple of Tear and say, "Hey, can you train this? Can you, can, can you train him in these yeah. monk- in these monkly arts?" Um, yes. And uh, you know, it's three trials, and you just kind of satisfy them in name. And the first one of them is like, "Oh, you know, recognize the value of." you know, establish like make basically. a map. Yeah. I think is the, is the one that this one fulfills. You get a big item from this too. You get these gauntlets. Yeah. yeah. One of two uh, legendary kind of dwarven artifacts. Um, and uh, getting the other one is well worth it. Like you keeping this guy in your party and keeping him as a fighter, because when he has all three of those items, he fucking mm-hmm. runs shop. Yeah. Um, so it is, it is worth doing. I have no idea why the temple of tear is going to, uh, kind of train him to be one of the sun soul monks, but whatever. <laughs> it, so I made him a monk just because I like monks in th- mm-hmm. in, in three and three five. Um, but uh, but yeah, I have no idea why either. It is very much uh, like a like a thing of convenience. It comes across. There's a uh, when it comes when you fulfilled all his his requirements. Um, there is a weird because uh, there's still more to do with him, but that's then the rest of his quest will come later. But mm-hmm. uh, it's not. You know, it's not going to be worth bringing up later. When you fulfill all his requirements, there are a couple of weird kind of things to it. So he becomes a monk. Um, his stats are not – his wisdom's really low. Right. Like he's, he's not standed out for a monk. Um, you can make that work, you know, but you kind of have to build front, towards it for the beginning. Right. Um, the weirdest thing, though, is there is a way to fulfill his, uh, his quest positively mm-hmm. and still have him be a fighter where you get to the end and you're like, hey, you're already a great fighter. You don't need to change. Mm-hmm. Um, it's supposed to be if you have 10 or above disposition – but it's glitched to where it only works if you have exactly 10 dis- disposition. <laughs> uh, so I uh, I didn't do it, but I, I ended up researching it ahead of time because it's like I kind of want to see what happens if I make him become a monk. But I like him wearing really heavy armor. Yep. Um. You know, so that's, that's what I found in my research was like yeah. there is a way to have it kind of both ways, but it's glitched. Yeah. So. He's super resilient if he, become, if he becomes a monk. That's what I noticed. Yeah. Like. You know, it, it's kind of a best uh, best offense is good defense kind of thing, or defense yeah. is a good offense thing. Yeah, sure. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, that, that, that that'll come back to roost later. Uh, there's a small quest here again. Luskin is getting their fingers into Neverwinter 
by uh, by sending these folks in on the sea ghost and you go again do these like m- in the midst of a city kind of fights that drop how off much did you think this, this is going to be like you're going to go on a haunted ship and fight things on top of an, in a ship well i mean i was like oh this is gonna I, be a dungeon really, i really hoped it would have been but no i just fought them on the docks it's so weird like this seems like it's like <laughs> oh you know they're sending in this haunted ghost ship in the harbor and i'm like well shit i'll go to the, the sea ghost and yeah. it's just like seven guys hanging outside on the dock next to it like yeah. this is where you're gonna cut stuff like, <laughs> it's like they've they said oh it's called the sea ghost and i left like a scooby-doo vapor vapor image <laughs> of myself like <laughs> sea ghost sign me up and it, it's literally just some guys in a mooge yeah uh, yeah super it, shitty um so you eventually you get into black lake here near the end of the act mm-hmm. and uh we run into Eldernon here uh, i got some real problems with Eldernon as well yeah um uh, <laughs> despite, like even along with the fact that he's an intellectual who's clearly not all there and he's called Ad- Eldernon. Algernon? Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah, yeah. Like, get a yeah. little, <laughs> at least remove that a couple of steps, please. It is so many of my problems with the performances in this game, like, would just be avoided if, if they weren't voice acted. Yep. Like, if the performances were gone. It's not the dialogue here that is so shitty. It's just, right. like, the fact that I have to wait for him to slowly deliver it. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, this is where you learn a major thing. The shards themselves, and if you watch the opening cutscene, you can kind of guess this, but the shards themselves are part of a silver sword, a Gith Yankee. Uh, Gith Yankee, uh, silver, sil- Yankee, silver sword, silver sword, yeah. um, and they will do anything to get it back. Yeah, that's uh, the Giths, Giths thing. Yeah. Um, so you have to go to uh, the records section. Yeah, the, the archives. archives to learn more more about this. And this is a uh, there's some combat here, but this is one of the first like non-combat kind of puzzle dungeons. Yeah, I wish there were more of these. I liked this yeah. a lot, like where you're finding books and like learning the answers to the quizzes that these podiums are posing to you. There's a couple of real cool ones. Like there are a few times where they do this. Like it's yeah. not, you know, this is not unique by any means. Um, and, and they actually, they happen kind of from here forward more than they did in the first part of the game. Yep. Like, I feel like the first act is really supposed to be low adventuring. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is where it's getting a little bit better. Um, so this is there are little tomes around here and there are quizzes to see if you've known things, uh, know things about them to kind of make your way through. There's a real weird kind of cool detail about this where you can only see certain doors if you're wearing like one of the scholars veils. <laughs> yep, and you have to go like find one of, of the one of the animated scholars uh, in order to yeah. claim theirs because the guy, <laughs> the guy who gives you the quest, like I'm not going to give up mine. Come on. Yeah, exactly. I need to be able to see doors. <laughs> yeah. I'd be able to get out of here. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah. this is about learning about this uh, this kind of famed Sword Coast mage, this Amanjero. Yes, um, not lemon yeah. jello, not not green jello, yes. not, um, not green jelly. Um, Amanjero Biafra. Yep. <laughs> um, and the uh, so you you uh, you have to find him. He's got this. What is the name of his like his fortress? He's got a real weird naming named like thing. It's it's Amanjero's like Haven. Is the yeah yeah. What's his haven? There's a there's another word for it if you like, other than his haven. But uh, that, that's that, that's the only thing I have in my head or my yeah. notes. Yeah, he's um. So you know we have to find that, but it's tricky because only one of his descendants could get there. Um, we also learn about the gith kind of having a layer uh, here. Yeah, that is hidden, uh, hidden in this kind of back alley you can head to. Mm-hmm. Um. So you know again more dungeon, dungeon, dungeon. Um, <laughs> we find out that Amanjero has a descendant, and it's Chandra Jero. That's, that's her last <laughs> yeah. name. Our, our, our hapless barn. barn pisser. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, you head to the barn and she's, you know, it's it, it's kind of great. Like, I think it is kind of funny where she's just like, no, like, I, I have no idea what you're like, talking about. 
<laughs> like, yeah, you had to, and then there's just GIF in the background, like fucking shit up. Yeah, um, <laughs> the 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 first let's say let's say seven to thirteen steps in her hero's journey are rejecting the quest. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's a repeat line in the code yep. on the hero's journey to uh, basic program yep. that she's running. Chandra's great. I like Chandra a lot. <laughs> I think Chandra's really great too. Like they and they do this pays off in a in a way that's that's great. I think yeah, is very good. Um. So she gets kid. Uh, she heads back. To, you think you won. You head back to the inn. Everyone has kind of a celebratory thing, and like you think this is the end of the act because mm-hmm. uh, it really seems like that. That's going to be the case. But the inn is attacked in the night, and uh, she's kidnapped. Yeah. Uh, and she's like, you know, hey, you know, so you think that she is probably uh, in uh, Port Last, Port right? Last, like like, like, Lus- like Luskin territory. Yeah, you think yeah. she's probably in Luskin territory. That's probably what she was kidnapped by. Um, this guy named Bishop who owes your uncle some favors yeah. uh, shows up and he is your ranger NPC and your most pure evil uh, NPC for a long time. Yeah, he's he's chaotic evil in a pretty cool way. Just like he's just totally like a, uh, um, oh gosh, catcher in the rye. What's that guy's name? Holden, Holden Caulfield? Yeah, he's, he's a real Holden Caulfield kind of character. Like everything's a phony. Like yeah, civilization's like, a ruse. Like he like whenever he, is, he says captain, it's in quotes. Sure. Like he, he would be a douchebag on a message board now. Like he's, <laughs> this is the guy accusing, uh, you know, progressive gaming people of virtual signaling, virtual signaling. <laughs> in real life. He's essentially a gamer gator. Like <laughs> he's, he's, he's the worst. Um, he's, uh, his voice acting again is too snarky for me to be around. Yeah. Mm, captain. Like he's, it's, everything is turned up to 11 with like, yeah. The most of these here. And like, um, I, I'd much rather have a ranger around as like a hybrid um then oh, yeah. uh then the, like a druid or something like if you give him a good enough bow and like uh, elemental kind of arrows and manage whatever he's uh whatever he's shooting he can just like fuck people up yeah he's really great like he's he's a great ranger yeah um you know he's he's really badass he's just kind of annoying to be around yeah um the way his storyline articulates is really great like he plays into the finale in a way that i really appreciate me too um so i ended up coming to really like him as a character mm-hmm. um and he's also his influence scores when he's around you um like he appreciates it when you don't let him get away with bullshit <laughs> yeah like if you're tough with him he's just like all right you know like you're sparring <laughs> with me like in it you know it does that kind of thing where he it, lives for the debate. advantage is not yeah ex- ex- exactly <laughs> he's one of those guys um so uh he has to take you to uh to ember right um, this is where you head to to Ember, and it gets uh, it's empty, and you get ambushed. Right, right. Uh, which right. ends up being like hugely important. Um, so uh, nobody's nobody's around in Ember. Uh, a bunch of Gith attack you. Mm-hmm. There are a bunch of Luskin uh, Gith. The one one or the other, like one of you know enemies yeah. attack you. Yes. Uh, um, <laughs> bad here. people, bad people attack you, um, and yes. it's a it's it's a real big um, kind of fight. Yes. Yeah. Um, eventually. Uh, I think you go to Fort Last first, or Port Last, in mm-hmm. order to uh, to get the kind of location. Yeah, of the uh, the Gith layer. Yeah, um, it gets a little a little muddy here, but um, but but, it but, is... but eventually, like you know, Bishop is is your tracker. He's like leading you, yes. leading you through these through these places. Like he even says when you get into Ember, like things are not right here. I don't see the people milling around like they ought to be. Like this is this is a dead town that is going to make us dead as well. Um, um, when you first get to, uh, to Port Last, there's something pretty cool, um, in that, uh, when you first start doing things here, mm-hmm. it can, uh, influence something that's going to come later in a way that reminds me of the opening of Chrono Trigger. Oh yeah, that, that um, exactly. I was very happy that yeah. you said that because that, yeah. yeah, that has to have been a direct influence. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, and, and it's, you know, they, they found the best part of Chrono Trigger. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Easy, easy. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, but anyway, there's a, you know, so being here and being a good person here is going to pay off in an yeah. unexpected way. Same even uh, after, after what happens in Ember. Like it's a, yes. it's, it's, it's a pretty big deal, but eventually you get to the, to the Gith lair. And, you know, again, this is, um, what is it? The, the, the malediction prophecy or whatever. Like, uh, it's not just Gith. It's not just Luskin. It's not just the undead, but no, we have succubi here as well. Um, the, the succubi show up are very confusing yep. to me. The first time that happened, I was like, what, you know, what is this sexy party dungeon that is full of like, <laughs> <laughs> like lady boob, la- lady boobington, like blowjobbing yeah. bird, the third, but- like, shooting me with spells <laughs> we we just had a discussion about this on radio free midworld but like mm, there there are not that many great depictions of succubi in uh in in literature and one of the best ones is found in the gunslinger <laughs> like, yeah, well, it's, it's pretty terrible when you see it here especially when they start talking to you it's pretty hard to do yeah and it's definitely pretty hard to do um so you uh you when you're here too we also run into uh this character named Mephasm, mm. who uh will become kind of an important character yeah, uh, as well. Who is who is near Zaxus? Who is this gigantic, uh, crazy demon? Yeah, he's a big, he's a big uh, dumb guy, um, yeah. devil or demon. I forget which one he is. Um, yeah. They kind of m- interchange them in a way that isn't that great here. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they they are they are very different. Like there's weird ways in which this game kind of plays some some kinds of homage to torment, mm-hmm. but without fully understanding it. Yeah, like the blood uh, wars factor in here, but it is very much just like a background detail for like why even, these demons hate each other. Like even Zakan gets mentioned, but yeah. in this weird way that like doesn't hold, doesn't feel consistent, yeah. you know, uh, Zakan being your, your Gith, uh, uh, companion yep. in the game. Um, so anywho, uh, you know, Zaxxas comes up and tries to fight. Um, I never took bluff, so I couldn't bluff him out of the fight. No, I no, I, I, uh. I, I think it was because whenever I went up, went up to a place where somebody wasn't attacking me immediately, I would cast Eagle Splendor on myself. Oh, gotcha. Um, again, that, that flexibility that being a wizard kind of allows. And I was able to say, like, oh, by even talking to me, you have failed your master. So you need to just, like, sit in your circle until you're done. Yeah. Um, and that got me past him. Yeah. You can also fight him. Yep. Like, it's it's not, a, not that big a fight. Like, anything that you're fighting single target tends to not be that big of a deal. Right. Uh, you just kind of surround him and he can summon um i think especially later he summons uh his buddies but yeah yeah, yeah. um yeah but ultimately you're you're heading towards this kind of climax in this area with uh ziri zier yeah yeah and uh you stop this get threat you know once and for all by defeating her and then closing this portal again these these get that are coming after the shards of their silver sword um you know you're just kind of stopping the lesser threat so you can focus on the greater threat yes uh she is the liches we yes. talked about she's a, she's a gith gith lich yep uh dollar spine it's through the gith shop yeah it's a uh, it's it, it's it's gith lich's loch ness gith uh, gift shop yeah. yeah yeah um yeah uh but um but yeah you you also rec- uh, uh rescue chandra um chandra jero and then she kind of becomes a free party member this is, you know, Yahtzee, especially if you're playing as a caster, like, yay, a kind of low-level fighter that I can train up exactly how I need need them to need them to fight. Well, the, the way it articulates is really great, where, like, yeah. you can either say, like, she just wants to, you know, she's going to come along with you no matter what, but she does it either because you can be like, hey, I need to make this up to you. Like, 
you know, your, your barn got burned, all of this stuff. Or you can be like, Hey, I just saved your fucking life. You know, you got kidnapped <laughs> and I just saved you. Like you can kind of do it. It plays into multiple alignments. Yeah. But this idea that like, we're going to take on this trainee that's very low level mm-hmm. to our party for free is kind of a cool move Yeah. Uh, here. And it does like, it's trying to make you feel like a mama bird, you know, <laughs> and, and you're raising her up. And I think it kind of works. You know, and that's going to be kind of the thrust uh, here, the way that Act 2 articulates. Yes. Um, uh, I, I always like it when an RPG does this. Um, mm-hmm. It's kind of like when you get uh, Pico in uh, Breath of Fire 3 or something, like mm-hmm. giving you a low member or party member that you can kind of shape in your in your own, you know, image <laughs> um, or how, and, however much you want to, to kind of shore up these, the, these weaknesses you might have. Well, and because the way that uh, D&D power is so focused on equipment mm-hmm. uh, in many ways like she's not a detriment like right. she's going to be weaker than than your fighters uh but she's not going to be that much more fragile that like she just instantly dies in every encounter right. like she can she can quickly become very useful she levels up very quickly and can become actually like fairly essential yeah pretty fast to the point where later on when she becomes like not an optional character uh or you know not not available for your disposal like your, her absence is noted So at the end of Act 1, that's actually where we're ending our uh, our first episode on this. Uh, we still have a lot of game to go, but we had to get those generalities out. Yeah. And uh, the next episode is going to go a bit quicker. And honestly, like, that's when it gets real cool. Mm-hmm. So not not to leave it on, like, kind of a, you know, it's getting cool now. Like, getting yeah, Chandra yeah. is cool. We've eliminated the gift, like, the major threat for the first act. <laughs> um, we've done all of our kind of low-level nonsense, and we're going to get right into it stuff that makes this game actually good yeah kind of right away this there's an element of this first episode is getting the poison out where we're getting the first blush with all the things that people kind of hate about mm-hmm. this game and uh getting its weakest content out the door yeah so that was yeah. chapter one of three we're going to cover the next two chapters uh in the next episodes or mm-hmm. next episode rather um and uh we will know more about what the mask of the betrayer is going to look like uh probably at the beginning of the first mask of the betrayer episode <laughs> yes yeah that's uh yeah because we don't know it now we haven't played it very much and uh we're recording both these so we're going to immediately record the second part of this now yep. um there's still plenty of time if you have things to say about uh neverwhere nights 2 in general mask of the betrayer mm-hmm. uh mega man 2 or 3 um <laughs> so separate the, those please yes, uh, yeah yes yeah, yeah. <laughs> like don't do a comparison like that might be kind of cool but maybe make that a blog post <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's uh, that's probably longer than 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 we need. Um, yeah. Do we want to uh, so send those into duckfeed.tv forward slash contact? Yes. Um, do we want to announce what's coming after that? Uh, yes, please. Yeah, let's do it. Um, after that, we're doing a wolf. Yeah, episode. watch out for uh, lens flare. We've talked about this. We've kind of teased the possibility of doing uh, doing kind of a newer game. Um, people mm-hmm. have actually asked us if we were, if we were intending to do it to do this. And uh, one particular recent release has uh, has kind of tickled our fancy to give a wolf treatment. Uh, two. Mm-hmm. So, Gary, what are we doing? Uh, after Mega Man two and three, we're doing Dishonored two. Yeah. Um. So it's it's a new release. It's it's this is the most new something's been right. when we covered it. Like yeah. it's going to be just a couple months after the release. Um. I picked it up like right when it came out. It's phenomenal. Yep. Um. It's probably my favorite game of this year. Mm-hmm. Uh. So I, I haven't played Tyranny yet. I bet you, <laughs> I, like Tyranny is gonna you know is good chance we'll unseat it. But yeah, uh, I like Dishonored two more than I liked. Dark Souls 3, I like yeah. it more than I like Deus Ex, uh, Mankind Divided. I really love it. Yeah. Um, so I'm really looking forward to covering it. Me too. And, uh, yeah. It's it's 
it just feels right. Like I want to do kind of a crawl them up kind <laughs> of, you know, event crawler yeah. uh, game. This doesn't mean there won't be future event crawlers. We have other event crawlers planned for, for 2017, <laughs> but uh, that's going to be the first event crawler of the year. Yes. Yeah. Um, um, I'm very excited. Haven't played Dishonored 2 yet, but uh, that was on my list anyway. Um, and this is a, a cool experiment. So if you are a person who might be upset by the uh, idea of us doing a newer game, I'm sorry, but, uh, it fits in with, uh, with our approach, especially because of our previous coverage of Dishonored, which is kind of this newer game that is very much in our, uh, in our wheelhouse for the kinds of mm-hmm. things we like to talk about. And, uh, man, oh man, like this is, this is the best way for us to kind of approach playing this. Yeah. The, the Harvey Smith side of, uh, the Dishonored split is so good. <laughs> You know, yeah. like Warren Spector, you know, hero, he's great. Uh, Harvey <laughs> Smith cannot be discounted. Right. That guy's amazing. Um, yeah. And that game also really uh, plays well into being split into different things. So I played through it first as uh, Emily. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm playing through my second time as Corvo. Yep. Um, Cole, since it's your first time through, you should probably play through as Emily because it's new. Yep. Uh, you know, and then we will be going through it with and we can talk about both characters. Um, which one did you do high chaos for? And which one did you do low chaos for? So I, so can I did know. it. Yep, I did it wrong. I did uh, Emily High Chaos, okay. which is kind of, you know, I like High Chaos playthroughs. Um, her power set lends itself to it worse. Okay. What I would recommend for you is to do Emily Low Chaos, Corvo High Chaos. That's what I planned for, um, yeah. just because Corvo had been through that before. So, Yes, yeah, and he, he's got uh, kind of more reasons to be like, well, fuck this. <laughs> um, also, if you haven't, I can't remember, Cole, uh, bank an afternoon and do the DLC for Dark, for Dishonored 1. Yeah, I need to. It's, um, I it's might a, just order the, like, the HD remake. This. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So it's it's uh, it's not mandatory, but you will uh, you'll know the story better. Like yeah, it's, it will, it's, it's a direct prequel to the sequel. It will, it will so. build. Um, yeah. Uh, cool. Yeah. I'm very excited about that. That's going to be, um, early on in, uh, or not early on, but like midway in January. Do you want to talk about what's coming after that? So it can be three yeah. ahead. Fuck it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Whatever. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So after that, we're going to do. Hey, I'm cutting in because we changed our minds between when we recorded this and when this episode goes out. Uh, So we'll reveal what comes later, later. But uh, in in shifting things around, we actually uh, forgot that after uh, Dishonored 2, we're going to be doing our 150th episode. That means we need to do something special. So for episode 150, we're going to be doing castlevania symphony of the night yep that's right it's a big one we've talked about doing it forever uh makes plenty of sense to uh to throw it in here uh so you can get that pretty much anywhere now it is readily available on a lot of digital distribution platforms recommend you do it i'm super excited to go back and visit this yeah so let's go back to the rest of the episode now yeah um for those who are wondering about uh because we had our patreon restructure so that means there are some executive producer slots that we have where people are picking games for us Mm -hmm. um those are going to start in 2017 those are gonna be quarterly yep um so the first one of those is going to be uh early uh march i want to say yeah yeah like late february early march yep so uh whoever you know the first person who who is in that will be contacting you about that and we'll start that discussion i'm really excited about that too Mm -hmm. so it's gonna be gonna be a good year uh for for the show there's there's nothing I'm not excited about that's yeah. coming up. Yep. Um it's gonna be until like again, until the, the wild card like pull comes up <laughs> and soul soul reavers us. You know, like <laughs> But even that, like, you know, I, yeah, I mean I like the process, but I like the, so the product. You know? Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, 
still one of my favorite episodes of the show. Yeah. But the um, I'm still <laughs> at this point I'm in that that rare spot where everything sounds really good to play. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, well, no, because we're we're just getting off to off of Dark Souls three, and we're just getting off of this huge uh, Western RPG commitment. Like yeah, exa- well, exactly. Like, as much as I've, I'm enjoying this game, it's going to be real good to play smaller games for a yeah. little bit. um so really it's gonna be really fun if uh if you want you know we mentioned a patreon restructure we mentioned executive producer status yep uh where can someone go to learn more about that cole they can go to patreon.com slash duckfeed tv and um for as little as like five dollars a month they can get like extra episodes of the shows that we do or vote on episodes of the shows that we do um Mm -hmm. we have kind of uh, realign that to make it easier to get in and start uh, both reaping the benefits and calling the shots. Yes. Um, as part of that, you know, that kind of went along with that. We had two uh, shows get funded recently. Yep. Our three shows get funded recently, actually. So uh, in <laughs> summer, uh, Days of Future Cast came out. Uh, me and Jeremy talking about the X-Men animated series and adaptations of X-Men. Mm-hmm. That's going strong. Um, the uh, Shortly after that, uh, Radio Free Midworld, which Cole mentioned earlier, which yeah. is uh, his examination of the Dark Tower series. Yeah, that's been uh, so fun. Uh, <laughs> Gary, this won't surprise you because you've met her, but uh, Autumn Greer, fantastic oh, yeah. podcast host. Yeah, she's been I'm on a the big most... fan of Yeah. yeah she's great. Yeah, um, so um, go check those out. And uh, it is it is a real low commitment way to like you know listen listen to uh stuff about a, a book series that you may have read long ago or might want to follow along with now it's very fun mm-hmm. yeah. and uh the last uh, goal we made um which was for uh talk about the passion our rem discography mm-hmm. uh show um that will start in 2017 yes because uh, we kind of uh that snuck up on us <laughs> and got there yep um kind of came up out of nowhere it's also kind of right on that edge where it's like it's funded and not funded depending on what patreon credit cards get rejected right right so that that will get a little bit more secure i think during this month mm-hmm. and then uh we'll we'll start it then we'll put out a pilot uh maybe before that and then eventually just start doing it yeah so uh that's all planned out that's going to be also real mm-hmm. fun i think and we have other goals and stuff if you head over to that the website you can find out a lot of things uh that we're planning to do and really want to do yeah um this is a cliche we say it all the time but if everybody who listened to the show and likes it uh wanted to give us a dollar a month like that would be huge and we'd probably get to where we want to be yeah um right away more or less mm-hmm. so if you're listening to this and and you know i support a bunch of podcasts on patreon it's not tons of money and it's easy to do mm-hmm. so uh, again i'm not trying to shame you about that but like even you know a buck or two a month will make a big difference yeah um even if we increase our kind of conversion rate quote unquote um by you know one percent or a, a half of a percent based on the people who listen to this show and some of the others um that would be uh the, you know that, that that would make a huge difference in the ability that we have to kind of deliver the shows that we want to make and also kind of improve the quality of the shows that we already do yeah yeah and it's it's you know it, it would get to you know everybody listened did like two dollars a month we might like get to the spot where we mm-hmm. want to get to where like this is just what we do yeah and we, we get that laser time money and then <laughs> <laughs> with, with that in mind yep. we could uh you know they would just be we'd do a bunch of different shows and, and just have a nine to five podcasting gig and it'd be great mm-hmm. yeah um, um and know, if you already give you guys. We, we, we really appreciate it like it has already made a huge difference as we get toward the end of the year and looking back and trying to explain to my family what i do when i go visit them for the holidays uh <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's a, uh, it, it is remarkable, uh, what you've already done for us. Yeah. Um, speaking of holiday, if you are doing uh, Christmas shopping on Amazon or any other holiday shopping, um, head on over to duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar and use the Amazon referral link. That makes a huge difference, especially if you're going to be buying like systems and gaming PCs and stuff like that, like yeah. doing big shopping. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a, a huge, huge, huge help and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Right. Do so. It's just an extra click. 
Um, and then uh, otherwise, the kind of free way you can help is ratings and reviews on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people have been very kind there, uh, but it does help. It puts us in their algorithms. It helps more people learn about the show yeah. uh, who ultimately will check it out. And then if they like it, then they keep listening. And, you know, it, it, it's, then, it's a snowball thing. It, it really is. Yeah. Um, it's it, it's all about moment, momentum. And you can help this by uh, rating, reviewing, um, telling your friends about us, all of that. Like you hear about this on a bunch of other podcasts and it kind of it can kind of become rote or uh, kind of token. But uh, mm-hmm. it really does. Like, you know, don't become dumb to it. There are small ways that you can, you know, really, really help us out and help out the kind of shows that you like to make, you know, even if it's not us. You know, if there's another show you like, oh, like, totally. like, like all it, of it works, you know, it's important to it's important to actively support things you like. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it, like uh, just in general, that is a value that, that I have and I think is yeah. is a uh, lends itself very well to the podcasting arts. Um, <laughs> yeah. So uh, other than that, um, what should they do until next time, Cole? Watch out for the gifts and the gift Yankee for their eternal feud shall rend our plane and twain. Ah, uh, Yes. Uh, this this made me like i was gonna say that this game made me hate the gith but i always hated them it's just dakan made me like them and when i'm not dealing with dakan it's like i don't i hate them (laughs) if dakan's not on the screen you should be asking (laughs) where's dakan yeah